Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Pony's 5 of 8 on third down. Here comes the heat. Jennings off the back foot. Slings it into the end zone. And caught for the touchdown. Keyshawn Smith. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. 3-3-5 defense. Here's some trickery. It's a flea flicker. And it works to perfection. Jatavion Sanders wide open for the touchdown. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Third and nine. Four man rush against Plummer to the end zone. This time, and it's intercepted by Bethune. He made a great play earlier and comes up with the pick in the end zone. The Florida State defense does it again. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Yeah, seven catches, 157. That was supposed to be a reverse pitch, and it blows up, and Salter makes a positive play and breaks loose, and he scores 35 yards. Wow. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Johnson makes a cut. Forget about that. Johnson, first down, slides down, and the Washington Huskies are going to win the final Pac-12 championship and punch a ticket to the college football playoff. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Welcome in 365 Sports Friday edition. Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke, Garrett Ross uh, running things over there, and Jack McKenzie uh, on board as well, and Emery Winter uh, producing. you know, for 365 sports tonight, uh, Craig, we have a, it's going to be kind of a weird, maybe choppy for a segment here a little bit because we have Dan Lust at 310, a sports law attorney. He is going to kind of walk us through all of the new legal wranglings going on with the NCAA 
And I know that's not your favorite topic in the world, but uh, I have more questions than answers on it, and I needed him to explain it to me and, and our, our audience as well. So we can go through that. Once we get through that, then we have lots of football to talk. Uh, Grayson Grunhafer will talk Baylor recruiting with us in the advent of, of some new news there, plus the new running backs coach. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, we'll have Josh Neighbors talking about the Big 12 offseason uh, and the college football playoff and all that. And then uh, Mike Scarborough uh, at 445 talking about Jaden Daniels uh, and his potential to win the Heisman Trophy and any LSU questions that Garrett has for him about who they're targeting the portal and, and anything back. else. <laughs> yeah, running, ETN. <laughs> uh, who's visiting Georgia, by the way, Garrett. So the rich get richer there. But, Craig, first off the bat, Baylor has a new running backs coach, Keenan Hall from SMU, a guy who's had some recruiting wins in the DFW area. Uh, I, I don't know much about him other than that, but uh, that position on staff has been filled. Now we wait for the O-line coach. Uh, yeah, I mean, when it comes to Dan Lust, I'll let you do the heavy lifting there since you are more of the, the legalese guy. And it's not that I, you know, am totally opposed to all of the conversation. It's just that I don't love it when it's 99% of the conversation as it seems to have, you know, suddenly become here in this offseason. And there's just so many lawsuits and so much confusion about what's actually going on. And, you know, with every report you – you know, don't know, is this something that's now or is this five years down the road? Or So, yeah, there's a lot of mess to clean up there, so I look forward to getting some clarity with uh, Dan Lust coming up here. But, uh, yeah, Keenan Hall, a guy who's been the running backs coach and run game coordinator uh, at SMU. According to our own Colt Barber, he'll be associate head coach along with running backs coach as well. And uh, SMU coming off of a really solid year uh, with, you know, their – American Championship, and now their trip on into the ACC to become a member uh, there. Still need to do a little bit of you know work, further work on just his background and everything that that comes with that. But uh, people seem to be fired up about this hire. Um, they have you know slowly but methodically been filling out this staff since Dave Aranda went and made sweeping changes right at the end of the season. We knew this was going to be a busy off season from the standpoint of just uh, not only a staff shakeup but also a roster shakeup and. Uh, from a roster point of view, like they're pretty intact. It's been almost strange to see how intact they are uh, from last year, but the staff certainly um, has been, you know, a different story. It's been a little bit more of a, a progressive thing. And so, uh, yeah, another big box checked here uh, with Keenan Hall becoming the, uh, the new running backs coach. He replaces A.J. Stewart, who we, you know, have yet to see where he's going to end up. Um, but he was at Oregon State previously. I know a lot of Beavers fans were uh, hoping that maybe he could end up coming back there. Um, but SMU had a really good uh, year on offense. They were really good down in the red zone. Um, they were good when it came to, you know, being top 15 in total offense, top 15 in scoring offense, um, you know, amongst the best in the country in total plays. A lot of different marks there under Rhett Lashley, even though uh, their defense was kind of their, their calling card in some ways or, or probably maybe the most underappreciated, underrated aspect of their football team. Um, but, yeah, Preston Stone there pulling the trigger uh, did a great job with a lot of weapons, uh, many of them out of the transfer portal. Um, he's been at Texas State, so he's got, you know, plenty of Texas backgrounds, was only there for a year and uh, spent a lot of time at his alma mater, Illinois State. So learning a little bit about him. He's been, you know, at various spots all over uh, staffs as far as his time during Illinois State. And, you know, I'm looking forward to what else we find out about him uh, moving forward. But, yeah, congrats to Keenan Hall and uh, a lot to digest, but a, a lot of excitement for, you know, a little change in direction and a, a new face coming into the program and their coaching staff. Yeah, real quick before we go uh, to the to the first break, which I know is, is abnormal for us, but this just the way it's got to work today. Tulane, that coaching job is filled. Troy coach John Sumrall um, 
is their next head coach. He was 23-4 and four at Tulane the last two seasons, winning back-to-back Sun Belt titles and beat UTSA in a bowl game uh, a year ago. Uh, but, uh, Craig, do you know what Willie French's record was at Tulane in the last two years? I usually know that right off the top of my head, but no, no I don't yeah. at this very moment. It was twenty three and four. So yeah, they've uh, they've replaced a guy who was twenty three and four with a guy who's twenty three and four. I personally think it's a great hire. If you've seen what Troy's done the last couple of years, they've just run through the Sun Belt. Uh, they've been very very good. He was on Tulane staff until twenty fourteen as their defensive coordinator. So he comes back to a place he's familiar with. It's obviously a step up. No knock to the Sun Belt in conference. He is going to be one of the highest paid coaches in the Group of Five, according to. Yahoo Sports, Ross Dellinger. So John Sumrall on his way to Tulane, uh, a team that's been uh, fantastic the last couple years under Willie Fritz as he's on his way to Houston. Yeah, and so that just keeps the carousel going as now Troy's got to find a guy and then, you know, wherever they poach from, if they poach from somebody, then that team will need to find a guy. And so the dominoes continue to fall. But again, I'll just keep repeating, not nearly as disruptive of a coaching carousel as we've seen in, in recent years, but I think just... Uh, on the surface, this is a fantastic hire for Tulane. He was mentioned for you know various other jobs, um, but you know you thought that you know perhaps they could hold on to, to Willie Fritz, and then he made what seemed like a pretty easy decision for him and in, in jumping over to to Houston. Uh, so they needed somebody, um, you know, Sumrall, one of the best available names, I think for sure, uh, still out there in the market or, or seemingly available. And then there was a little bit of back and forth throughout the day of like, well, it it's close to finalize and oh wait here comes Troy and they're going to counter offer and and then you know that that fizzled out pretty quickly and and it was apparent that Tulane had found their guy and he was going to be making the move so yeah I think it's a significant hire for um for Tulane uh, apparently according to uh, a couple of reports out there now uh you know they had um I guess you know ponied up when it came to the money and just I guess what he was looking for but uh they doubled his his pay so that's one way to get a guy to make a decision tell you what love sick of 365 but if somebody came around like I'll double your pay be like well I guess they have to think about that a little bit you know yeah. so that's uh that's what uh Tulane had to do and they got their man and so yeah that's a really great hire for the green wave I think you're bummed about Willie Fritz but I think you're more than thrilled about his replacement yeah, absolutely. When we come back, sports law attorney Dan Lust, he'll join us next. This is 365 Sports. Don't miss the wrap-up-the-year sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco. As the year comes to a close, we're offering unbeatable deals and a wide selection of new 2023 Jeep models like the Grand Cherokee, Grand Cherokee L, Renegade, Gladiator, Wrangler, and the Wrangler 4XE. In addition to incredible savings, we're also offering generous trade-in values for your current vehicle. Upgrade to a newer model while getting the most out of your trade-in. Hurry in. These deals won't last long. Shop our great selection of new inventory and start the new year in style. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or draw in and let 
let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Let Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, warm. Welcome home. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Welcome back, 365 Sports. A guy we haven't had on in far too long, Dan Lust, sports law attorney and analyst, uh, joins us now. You can follow him on Twitter, uh, or X as it's called, uh, Sports Law Lust. Uh, and Dan, um, I know that like you know, college football is not supposed to be about lawsuits, but lately it feels like it kind of is. Um, we There were three lawsuits filed today you haven't even had time to get to yet. That's how many lawsuits are going on uh, between the NCAA and the general, I guess, populace of people who want something to change in the NCAA. Well, I think that's about right. I feel like people are seeing, uh, you know, the wounded duck in the water and people are just kind of going after it. But, yeah, I, I think three lawsuits filed today and there's, you know, three or four big ones that have been pending out there, not to mention a kind of interesting one about, you know, uh, just general eligibility between the overtime elite league, the NBL. I, mean, I, I don't know. But let's put it this way. The bat phone has been off the hook this past week. So it's, it's been a, <laughs> been a long, game, long game of catch-up, but all good. This yeah. is good. Uh, so, Dan, let's start with the new subdivision proposed by Charlie Baker in the NCAA that uh, appears that it's set up to uh, maybe prevent the, the you know, bi-weekly lawsuit filing by kind of, I don't know if saying giving them everything they want necessarily, but finding some sort of 
this is the first middle groundish thing that's been proposed so far with it's still compliant with Title IX. They're not technically employees. How would this all work given the 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 previous structure of the NCAA? Yeah, okay. So this this is um I think it's a big potentially a big one. I guess we'll we'll break it down to its fundamental core. And I'm sure you guys have been going over it this week. I mean, at, at a baseline, what this is, I, I think a response to the SEC, the Big Ten, Big 12, these threats from conferences that, that they may or may not leave the foundation that is the NCA. Like, there is nothing in the law that prevents, you know, for example, like the SEC to get up and leave and not be part of the, the general framework of college sports. Greg Sankey has said as much in his comments the past couple of days, the commissioner of the SEC. So the, frame, the proposal by Charlie Baker is basically to create, we'll call it like, you know, uh, the super, well, the super conference, but under the NCAA's roof, and it's a way to say, hey, if you are a have, you can opt in to this new program. The have-nots will stay back. You know, the group of five schools that don't want to spend the money but want to stay in Division One, and those haves can opt in, and they can create the rules. So the NCAA is basically saying they're not saying schools can pay athletes directly. They're saying all bets are off. Whatever these schools that opt in, they can come up with the rules, including a rule as crazy as schools can pay. Athlete. So it's it's a way to create the structure under the NCAA so you don't have these power conferences, power schools threatening to leave this framework and, uh, you know, take those dollars off the table when it comes to the NCAA. So what would have to happen for this to get done and what is realistic given, um, again, there's lawsuits out there about players being employees, antitrust, all of that, uh, including, you know, the the framework of trying to fit it into Title IX as well, which which seems like maybe one of the trickier parts. I mean, how realistic is it? I, I, I've seen a lot of blowback from that Baker proposal, um, and, and I think, you know, some of the conference commissioners have noted that they weren't looped in on it. Um, you know, it, you have to just think logistically what would take care of A, it's got to get approved. So that's, that's number one, right? And the schools, conferences, the chancellors all have to be on board, which I'm not sure they have at this point. But beyond that, let's just talk logistically. You have to have a period for the schools to opt in, right? Uh, and then after that, you have to have a period for the schools to come up with the rules. And remember, once upon a time when there were schools and, and commissioners and, and trying to, you know, get these task force where they were trying to come up with a version of NCAA NIL back in 2019. So between end of 2019 and July 1 of 21, the NCA had put together this task force to come up with NIL rules specifically for this purpose, and it took two years and they couldn't get it done. And by the time they had it, they got close, you know, obviously I uh, was on with you guys way back when, uh, Supreme Court Alston decision kind of, you know, threw those plans in the trash. So it, it's at least, at least a year process to get this thing done. But, you know, I guess the, the other complicating part, not to make this even more complicated, but if you have a conference where there's a really big divide between the have and the have not, and I have no sourcing on this, but, you know, for example, Vanderbilt versus in Alabama, there's a world where maybe Vanderbilt doesn't want to go into this, what I'll call super conference. And what happens to the conference divide? What, what happens to the TV schedule? So a lot of complicated unwinding that has, uh, you know, we're not quite sure how it's going to shake out yet. So hard to figure out a time frame at this stage. Dan, Dan, is this just Charlie Baker trying to, you know, throw something out there and kind of get the conversation kicked down the road a little further, kind of a fire starter? Or uh, how, how do you view that this attempt in general by Charlie Baker to get this conversation going forward? Yeah, that's the, that's the right question to ask. Why now? Why this of all time? So, you know, Charlie Baker's coming in. This is his first big uh, chess piece move as, as conference commissioner. And, uh, you know, I've, I've watched most of these federal NIL hearings. We've had about 10 since uh, the NIL law first was passed or 
July 1 of 21. And Congress keeps pressing the chancellors, the conference commissioners, and even Charlie Baker. What are you guys doing? You're asking for a bailout, right? You're asking for a federal law. You're asking for an antitrust exemption. What are you doing to deserve it? Because it seems a lot like to us that you're sitting on your hands and doing absolutely nothing while letting, you know, this, you know, the wild, wild west kind of go out there. The sheriff, you know, sheriffless, there's no laws. People are supposed to do whatever they want. Um, and I think this is Baker's response to that. I think this is going to be Baker next time he gets in front of a microphone in front of Congress. He'll say, this is our plan. We have a real plan to get this done. And no one can yell at us as the NCA any, any longer for these archaic rules because we're going to allow the schools to modernize the rules themselves. So in that sense, I think it's a smart move by Baker. And he'll put the blame directly on the schools and the conference commissioners and all those debates like, why is Alabama in the same conference, you know, as uh, not to take an, no, I have small schools where, where I'm from in New York, New Jersey, Monmouth University. Why are those both Division One programs? So I, I think that's really the divide here. And I, I think Baker, you know, he can't solve all the problems in one shot, but I think this, this checks a lot of boxes. It's not quite there, and I'm not sure how realistic it is. But the proposal itself does, does make sense. We'll see if it, if it gets passed, but yeah, definitely a, a revolutionary proposal. So, Dan, how does this – does it ward off any of the revenue – I mean, I guess revenue sharing would be the next thing. If they can, if they decide they can pay athletes whatever they want, then they have to figure out where that money comes from. But revenue sharing, athletes as employees, like how does this stave off any of that? It's a great question. You guys are asking all the right questions. This is good. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's what it does in self. So people are saying, oh, you have a super conference and you have different laws, the schools with the players. This looks a lot like pro sports. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't, because who's making the rules in the scenario under the Charlie Baker proposal? It's the schools, it's not the players, not collectively bargained for. So we're not quite there. So, yeah, in theory, it solves a lot of problems. But the second you have a state that passes a, a you know, revenue sharing act, right, or, um, you know, even, you know, right now, I think we're, we're waiting uh, for Dartmouth basketball to see if they'll be recognized as a union, right, or any school that attempts to unionize and is successful, that's a very different question. So the same issue that we've had for the last two years, if a school and a sport within that school gets to be unionized, that could just throw a monkey wrench in anyone's plans. Um, and it's you know gotten pretty close a few times. Dartmouth basketball is the most recent challenge. Obviously, we started way back when with Northwestern football. Penn State football got somewhat close, I think, about a year ago. So, yeah, this, that question of unionization and collective bargaining is much closer um, that I think many realize, and that would c- completely throw off these plans because then players would need to seat at the table when, when it comes to these rules. You have the possibility of strikes, um, and it gets really complicated. So it, it, to, to the question that you just posed, it doesn't, it doesn't solve that. It can't, it can't get all the way until we figure out where the players and, and their voice and their required legal voice at the table falls. Dan, perhaps that's the, the answer here as well, but a question from our producer. Uh, this seems to be all revolving around football, men's basketball, women's basketball. Paul brought up Title IX would still be in effect here. Um, so dollar for dollar, women's athletes would see the same as men's athletes, but how does this affect, do you think, the, the other sports outside of the three uh, revenue generators? Is it just simply Title IX? You get, you get paid no matter what, or, or what could you see the collateral damage being potentially to the other sports that don't bring in cash? I mean, I think we'll, we'll see how it's shaken out. Are schools going to be allowed to drop some sports back into the other side? I, it's, just, it's a little complicated. That's why right. Baker's proposal is much, really just a blank palette. He's saying these are what the schools can do if they want to go all the way to the extreme side. 
Um, I will say one thing, which, um, you know, you guys know I'm from New York. Uh, Coach Rick Pitino over at St. John's had a really interesting comment that came out in the wake of Baker's proposal. So if you do separate the have and the have-nots, right, and you, you make a, the power fives in, in the you know, have situation, yeah, I think that makes sense because who's competing for the national championship, right? It's, you know, everyone's going up in arms about Florida State. No one seems to care that Liberty's undefeated and it's not being anywhere near the college football playoff equation. Um, that's fine for football because we know the Power Five is, are the ones that are competing for the national championship. Now, when it comes to basketball, very different equation. If you separate the have and the have not, and they're not competing any longer for the same national championship, you're getting rid of all those mid-major schools for basketball, we don't have something resembling March Madness anymore. So it, it impacts basketball in a very different way than it impacts football. So, you know, in, in this day and age, we, we tend to group together football and basketball. But for purposes of this conversation, yeah, this makes a lot of sense for football to separate the have and the have-nots. But uh, do we really want to kill March Badness, um, you know, and, and with, with everything else going on? So I, I, I've yet to see a, a solution of how you, you save college basketball in its core. And I know, you know, obviously Baylor is a huge basketball school. Um, but I, I, there's ramifications to Baker's proposal. Yes, it makes sense. It looks good. Uh, we can worry about title nine as well. But yeah, basketball is not going to look uh, resemble the same come come March if Baker's proposal is approved. So Dan, there are, um, and we talked about it earlier. You haven't read all the the antitrust lawsuit yet, and some of them are about different things. You know, some of them are about transfer portals. Some of them are about employ, like all those different like you know variables. So how do they? How, how does the NCAA keep an antitrust exemption uh, with all this stuff going on? Well, they don't have one yet. I mean, yeah. the question is whether the federal, the federal government wants to give it to them. And it's, they're really getting nice from all ends of the equations. I just, it's funny. I just wrote an article that should come out probably next week about uh, this overtime elite, how those kids, some kids are being given status. They go to overtime elite instead of going to uh, you know, college for the first year. And then they want to try to go to the NCAA. And the NCAA is picking and choosing who they don't want to allow eligibility to but to the question you just asked it's like you know if you let the schools come up with all of their own rules but they're still you know they're still renting a space in the ncaa's house but the ncaa doesn't get to call the rules you know let's pretend for our purpose the conference is 18 years old they come up with their own rules right all this stuff um it's still a question of like free competition do we want to allow the schools to compete against themselves and you have some cover from antitrust liability if you are allowing the schools to create their own rules and you allow competition within that framework of the rules. So it's tough. You have title nine issues, you have transfer, you have transfer issues. You have uh, NCA getting sued today for, you know, a, a transfer decision. You had the whole Tez Walker deal earlier in the year about not being allowed to transfer. But those are all NCA based decisions. So I think maybe the NCA gives themselves some cover if they're no longer making the rules, but you know, to the larger question, that's all forward-facing. That's the NCA's liability moving forward. It doesn't purge the harm that the NCA has been accused of for decades and decades. And some of these lawsuits, you know, they, they, there's a, right now a, a $4 billion class action lawsuit that's being alleged uh, over in California, you know, for back pay for what athletes should have made if NIL had been made legal before. So, you know, I, even assuming the NCA makes these, these proper rule changes and they get saved with the antitrust exemption, there's still prior exposure. So, yeah, this, this, I think the way to phrase this, this is the NCA's kind of last-ditch effort to try to stop the bleeding and change it moving forward. But, yeah, there's, there's um, 10 figures of exposure from what has already occurred. So it, it might be a little bit too late. 
I know that uh, like the day after Charlie Baker released that proposal for the new subdivision, Chris Murphy, senator from Connecticut, uh, he put out his uh, college uh, athletes or employees and all of that. Was that uh, especially coordinated that way? Um, I think probably. I think that's a fair fair assumption. I think everyone's trying to get their their piece, their soundbite. Um, you know, I I I I've seen a lot in the last two years of this NIL era. I think politicians pop in and out. The truth is, on the federal side, right, we've had no progress whatsoever. So people can propose all the legislation they want until it's approved. You know, it's just kind of kind of white noise in the background. Stan, one of the things that people talk about, coaches talk about, programs talk about, is they want guardrails from the government that would protect NIL. What could they reasonably do that they would not lose in court? Like even the government, like what can the government do to put this on there? Because it, it and, and they don't really seem all that motivated to do it other than lip service to, you know, the big issue of the day or that, that, that month's committee hearing. I mean, again, it's the same, the same question. You want to put guardrails up, but I, I guess, I do. I see that question, and people want to know how to fix the NCAA to save college sports. But we might be past the point of no return for saving what is the NCAA. I mean, that's why Mark Emmert left left the association. Why they're trying to find the grass get straws? They're trying to hire Charlie Baker. All, all the while, my understanding is while they're kind of trimming back staff, and there have been some layoffs over at NCAHQ. So I don't know if you can save the NCAA. Could you change the framework of college sports moving forward and put in? You know, I guess. I guess this, this is where my mind keeps going, and I don't know if there's an easy answer to it. The NCAA certainly doesn't want to play watchdog. They don't want to – they haven't for two years been the one to enforce NIL. There's been no NIL punishment since July 1 of 21, and that's after, you know, 50 years of the NCAA punishing people for, like, extra practices and, and impermissible conduct and taking away Heisman Trophy. So we, we have yet to find the player that wants to be the one to enforce these violations. Um, so the NCAA doesn't want to do it. The attorney general, based on state law, there's been no, no enforcement, as far as I can tell, from state attorney generals for schools violations. So we're looking at the federal government want to play that role. If you watch the federal hearings, the, the Congress people, you know, congressmen, congresswomen, they're saying they're okay with that role. So, you know, we have to have some enforcement mechanism if we're going to have any guardrails. But that, that's the question I still still think is taking shape. Um, and while the, you know, the NIL space is still kind of evolving day by day, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure they're so inclined to create a law until the space itself has some type of stability. But as we saw with the Charlie Baker proposal, that's kind of out the window. So kind of wait and see. But it's a good question. Guardrails, enforcement, who's going to actually police this at the end of the day? Um, and and so, far, so far, no takers in the current landscape. And Dan, we're not uh, in a period uh, in, in American history where we're really great at regulation one way or the other. Right, we either overregulate or underregulate. We haven't found a nice middle ground in, in a lot of things. So, uh, especially given the divide in the in the parties, it doesn't seem like that would be something that's going to be easy to get done anyway. That sounds about right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you said it well. Sounds about right. Yeah. Well, Dan, thank you so much. Uh, always appreciate you coming on. There's like a billion other lawsuits, so we're going to have to get into those uh, eventually, especially these ones concerning the transfer portal, which um, I, I know West Virginia has one and, and all of that about, about kids you know, it, not getting their waivers. Some do, some don't. Uh, and uh, you haven't even gotten into those yet because they were all just filed today. 
I'm making my way alphabetically through the state bosses <laughs> to go one by one. West Virginia's toward the bottom. No, I'm just we'll, we'll make our way there. It's crazy. It's just, there's explosions everywhere you look. But you know, as I, as I said at the top, it, busy is good, and uh, I will never complain about that. Dan Lust, sports law attorney. Thanks a lot, Dan. Thanks, guys. Yeah, an old old friend of the show. We had him on back when we were still uh, doing the show for my house, Craig. So I hope he simplified it. Although. It does make you, like, you listen to that and you're like, well, at least they're trying to do something, but it doesn't feel like, again, most of these things are going to be fruitful. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's just kind of all uncertain, you know? I mean, there's not, um, I know we want it to be black and white and just like, oh, well, this is what's going to happen now, or this is how it's going to happen. And, um, you know, the other day when the Charlie Baker came out and it was originally published by Ross Dellinger and various other you know, reporters, it was like, oh my God, the big break's happening, here we go. And it's like, well, it's just like the like the, the moves before the potential of those types of moves. It's not, this is happening. And I think I tried to kind of say that over and over again at various points of like, just to be clear, this is not happening just yet. But it does seem inevitable that there's some sort of break, you know, that's going to be occurring and... You know, are all these lawsuits just adding up going to be the end of the NCAA? I mean, it's kind of like the end of Alabama football, right? People have been teasing the end of the, end of the NCAA for quite a while now to, to no avail. They're still around, but like he said, there's 10 figures of lawsuits that we're talking about now at this point, and I think like 10 filed in the last week, or at least that's the way that it, it seems. So, yeah, I'm no, I'm no legal expert. I, I tend to sit back and kind of see how things play out, and this is a situation where... Obviously, there's a lot more to play out behind the scenes, but on the surface, Charlie Baker's trying to cut off more problems at the pass and trying to find a solution uh, that could cure some of uh, their other, you know, or could answer some of their other questions and, and cure some of their other problems. But yeah, it's it's all very uh, complicated, and there's a lot of ifs and maybes and, and those kinds of things attached as well. So I guess we got no choice but to sit back and Watch how it plays out in the courts and in the political system. But uh, Charlie Baker's trying to do what he can, clearly. Will it be enough? Will it work? You know, that's another question entirely. And if it doesn't, then what does that look like? You know, in the long run, does that just lead to a big split, but with no involvement of the NCAA whatsoever uh, or something else that we're not even thinking of? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know. It's, it's It makes my brain explode thinking about just all of the, uh, the different intangibles here. But it is a, a big deal because it's going to help you know, dictate one way or the other, uh, this conversation, ongoing legal system conversation, all these lawsuits, it's leading us to the eventual endpoint of what this is going to be uh, for the next, you know, couple decades or however many years that college sports remains college sports. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's messy and way above my pay grade, but it's, it's fascinating to see just how things just keep piling up on the desk of Charlie Baker and the NCAA. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to have Dan on because again, he can explain it a lot better than, than I can. I can just ask the questions and we, we asked the right ones. He said, so I felt, I felt good and prepared for an interview. Uh, I really hope like that's the, one of the things I thought, like when Garrett asked the, the question, like, how does this affect anything else? Like, look, if you're going to like, do you just set this for football? Because, you really, like, the one thing the NCAA does really, really well is March Madness. At least on the men's side. We know what happened on the women's side. But, uh, like, on the like March Madness is one of the things they do really well. It's really awesome. Uh, it doesn't need to be messed with. So, 
But if you send if you send off the hey, we've got these resources, there are plenty of schools that would love to have those resources, but you're you're essentially telling, you know, a school like right now, if they don't get in the Big Twelve, but a school and even if they did, like a school like Gonzaga that's kind of a one sport school, like, well, you know, thanks for being one of the most competitive and best teams in the in the country for the past thirty years, but yeah, you know, you're not in this anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like he said, dude. I mean, we, you know, we, I think we're asking valid questions, but then it's, it gets to the point where, like, there's not answers yet. You know, like, there's, he's like, well, that's a whole other, like, we don't, like, something has to happen to allow the other thing to happen to allow the other thing to happen. And so this is all just talk right now. Like, that's that's the thing. And so it's a proposal. It's not a fast and hard rule. It's an idea. It's not anything legally established. It's a hope. It's not anything for certain. And so um, sorting through all the noise, it's a great attempt by Charlie Baker to try and cut off some things of the past. But as Dan Lust said, depending on how this goes, like it could be too little too late. That's what we don't know. We're all trying to unpack and figure it out and jump to the final stage and just see, okay, what's the end look like? But there's like so many things that have to happen before that. Like this has to, you know, be enacted or uh, be passed. And, and so we're not even at that point yet. So, yeah, it's all just questions right now. There's there's no answers, really, uh, other than kind of clarifying, you know, what this could lead towards or what the attempt is being made to try and solve some of this. But, you know, outside of that, it's just, you know, we'll see what happens and, and what kind of response it gets and what kind of support it gets. But you're also, again, leaning on politicians to basically solve your problems for you. And that's been pretty unsuccessful up to this point so why would that change now and there's just a lot of i mean there's just a lot of like you open this door and that opens to to, you know a brand new hallway with a bunch of other doors and you open that door and so i don't know where this is going other than like there's a breaking point how many lawsuits are too many lawsuits you know how long can they go without just finally throwing their hands up and going all right something has to actually occur i don't know um but they're just swimming in issues right now and you know how long before they you know, they drown uh, in, yeah. in all of those issues because, man, they are piling up. And this week alone, there's been just one after the other after the other when it comes to news stories about lawsuits, the transfer portal lawsuit, you know, I mean, it's on and on and on. It's uh, – would love to be NCAA lawyers, that's for sure. I know people have made that joke before, but, my God, that you know, bless billable hours or whatever the phrase hey, I've seen. And here's the thing, man, they don't even have to win. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, no, they don't have to win. You're right. I mean, they want to because it looks better, but no, they, they don't have to. They're just stacking up cash. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's great to be a, a, an attorney working for the NCAA and, and working under billable hours, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, it's it, it's ridiculous. By the way, before we get to, to Grace Greenhaver, we haven't talked about this yet because of, uh, of the, the way the hour had to go, but it is the Heisman Trophy ceremony tomorrow. Uh, Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., the four finalists. Uh, Garrett, uh, I'm very proud of for having some journalistic objectivity Thank uh, you. on this um, in that, you know, Jaden Daniels is, is clearly his favorite player this year because he's LSU's quarterback, but you feel that Michael Penix Jr. because he's got well four more wins uh, at this point in a conference title, uh, he's your pick, although to me, like... You can get you. This is where you kind of get into the splitting hairs of best overall player. You know who who is that and what does that really mean? Because Jane Daniels, just, just the last game. Here's his last game stats: two hundred thirty-five yards passing, four total touchdowns, no interceptions, one hundred twenty rushing yards. That's a Heisman Trophy day. It is. Yeah. 
It is. I just feel like there's so many similarities between what Daniels brought to LSU and what Penix brought to uh, Washington. Uh, they both have elite receivers. Penix, obviously, I mean, the rushing attack for both have been kind of hit and miss. Both quarterbacks have kind of carried the load rushing-wise. But Penix has had – he's been on the sta- the biggest stage more times than Daniels has been this year. He's uh, been able to win against another Heisman contender twice this year. Um I think there's so many similarities between the two, but when you get down to it, I think what Penix and, has... And the defending has a trip. Yeah, so I yeah. mean, I think that kind of plays into it. Uh, now, you could have made the argument in years past, obviously the SEC is the strongest conference, yada, yada. You, there's no denying that the Pac-12 has been the strongest conference top to bottom this year, and Penix has navigated that unscathed. So to me, I think he's the he's the guy. Yeah, I agree. I'd, I'd vote for Penix. Uh, Jaden Daniels, a lot of respect for his game and the numbers that he put up and the season that LSU had. But when you put it like Garrett put it, I don't really know how it's so one-sided right now. I really don't get it. I don't get why he's such the, the huge favorite. Um, terrific player, uh, terrific year. I'm not going to bemoan his his win uh, tomorrow night, which looks like it's going to happen. Uh, I won't be, you know, one of those people that come Monday and be like, Michael Penix got screwed and Jaden Daniels is a bum. And no, I don't think that at all. I just think it's a really weird year for the Heisman where there's just, I don't know, it's just it's just strange. Uh, there's not a lot of buildup for it. It's just kind of weird how Daniels was sort of crowned, given the argument that Garrett just made about the fact there's a guy on an undefeated team doing the exact same thing, basically, in bigger games against better teams overall. And it's just like, yeah, but Jane Daniels, is, I, I don't know. It's weird. I, I, I'm not quite sure why it's so weird to me, but it, it's just weird. And I do feel like Michael Penix in, in another year would be like the odds-on favorite going into tomorrow night, but he's not. Jane Daniels is, so... Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what the final vote breakdown looks like, or maybe there's a surprise in store. I don't know, but I wonder if the there's the SEC influence or what. And also take into account that Jaden Daniels did a lot of stat padding, like a lot of stat padding. Especially I mean, the last part of the season. Yeah, like the final stretch run, he was there in games he had no business still being in, and he's just throwing it around and running around and putting up numbers because – he had to to make his case, whereas Michael Penix, for example, is just playing in big games and putting up numbers, and he had like a little bit of a lull, and it's like people, like he had like a lull of like a couple of games, and people were like, all right, he's done, move over, and he went from favorite to like non-favorite in the span of a couple of weeks, maybe, mm-hmm. and I'm not quite sure why, because they never lost a game, Yeah. so... It's just that's that's not really that important a metric anymore, Craig. I think it was the organ hype. I think the organ hype so. kind Bo of Nicks, diluted. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it had to be because it was just he was the guy, and then all of a sudden he wasn't, and it was like Washington kind of struggled a little bit, and then Oregon came on so hot and heavy, and there was a whole conversation about, well, they're still better than Washington even though they lost that game, and I know I, I picked him to win the second game. Well, he went and beat him again. And yeah. he was a big part of beating them again, so I don't get it. I don't get why he was just sort of shoved to the side so quickly, and Jane Daniels has just sort of crowned the the winner here in the last you know two, three, four weeks, whatever it's been. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird, and I, again, I'm very curious to see what that final vote looks like. And I would love to be you know happily surprised, and they're like Michael Penix because I think he'd be absolutely deserving of it, and it. Again, it's kind of like the playoff argument. This isn't against Alabama. This isn't against Jaden Daniels. You know, it's anti-SEC. It's just um, like it was anti uh, the decision of the committee. I'm just anti sort of the, the way that narrative flipped and why it's not being argued a little bit more of 
why did this guy go from clear-cut resume favorite to this guy padded a bunch of stats and, and whatnot, and now he's the – you know, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, um, I will say, like, the last game against A&M, if they don't have Jaden – like, that's the other thing. No, I'm not oh, – Yeah, but, like, you know, yeah, no, it's true. But, like, they – but he had a game – they played Georgia State the week before. You know, like, so Washington – Washington had their hardest games – all down the stretch. So, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you guys. Like, yeah. I don't think you're wrong either way to get, like, Jaden Daniels is certainly Heisman caliber, and if, you know, Michael Penix didn't exist, you know, then there really isn't an argument. Like, yeah. it's it, it's one of those deals. So, And I think Jaden Daniels, too, you got the dual threat aspect that you don't really have uh, with Michael Penix. I mean, when you're sitting there rushing for 200-plus yards and you're throwing for 200, 300-plus yards and you're doing that all in the same game and you got a handful of touchdowns in, like, multiple weeks, and, I mean, that eventually does add up, and I could see where that tilts you in a way because it wasn't just Georgia State. It was against... Uh, you know, Florida, for example, or it's against Texas A&M, and there is more eyeballs on games like that. So, you know, he he was, like I said, it's not an anti-Jaden Daniels thing. It's just a, in most years, you would think the undefeated quarterback who's put up huge numbers would be the favorite to win the Heisman. And for some reason, Jaden Daniels is just clearly the guy despite having three losses on the resume and that's fine he's he's very deserving well I think a lot of that too is when you look the the push out of LSU the LSU camp and the SEC camp in general right was putting up uh Jaden Daniels numbers compared to what Joe Burrow did hit the, the in 2019 with the Heisman they're very comparable so yeah. that's where a lot of that comes from but at the end of the day man Penix he's the dude to yeah me. but doing that's and that, that's fair but doing that's also like well Alabama should be in because the SEC's right. won 17 of the last 20 you know like we saw that argument it's like that doesn't have anything to do with anything in regards to the playoffs this year nothing from not this year matters in the playoffs like it, it or it shouldn't so that's like yeah well Joe Burrow did it and he's close to Joe Burrow well that's an entirely different year mm-hmm. and guess what LSU's not playing for a national title nope. so it's not the same thing but you're right, P- pumping that up and, and showing those numbers in that way and having a, a, a PR push, I think definitely helped Jaden Daniels in that last month. And again, he was incredible, not taking anything away from him. He'll be a worthy winner, but I'm just very confused by the fact that Michael Penix is not more of a clear-cut favorite for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, when we come back, Graydon Grace, Grace, Graydon, Grayson Grunhafer, Sikkim365.com. It is... Uh, it's new coach, uh, new or new staff recruiting season after Jake Spavital uh, and the new running backs coach uh, who have who have hopped on board. We're what um, a week away, two weeks away from where's early signing day? What's the date? It's a couple weeks away. A couple weeks, a couple weeks, weeks away. away. Are, yeah, a couple weeks away from early signing day. I I despise signing day as a as a journalist. Uh, it's just annoying to me. Um, I'm, I'm interested. In, uh, what? 21st, 21st. Thank okay, you. you uh, December 21st is the. Thank you, Jack. Uh, thank you, thank you, Jack. Is is the early signing day uh, or the actual signing day? And the other one's like the later signing day. I don't know why um, early anymore when 90% of the the kids sign uh, on the early signing day. Uh, we'll talk to Grayson next. This is 365 Sports. Right call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F-150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sikkim Bears. 
Centennial MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco is your holiday item superstore. Half spiral hams, 8 to 10 pounds for $4.45 a pound. Pit hams, 12 pounds for $4.45 a pound. Bone-in hams, 18 to 22 pounds for $3.40 per pound. Whole raw turkeys from 12 to 16 pounds for $2.50 a pound. Whole smoked turkeys, that's smoked turkeys at 9 to 12 pounds for $3.75 a pound. And many pit hams, 6 to eight pounds for five dollars and 99 cents a pound and don't forget they have full service butcher shop where you can find what you want pork poultry seafood and beef and i bring up the beef because big beef tenderloin or a prime rib brian bauer and the bauer family full service bakery with fresh baked kolaches every morning and bread and cold beer and wine tailgate needs from pellet fuel to charcoal waco custom marketplace and the holiday items 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Josh Neighbors in the next segment. Grayson Grunhaver, Sikkim365.com. And Grayson, Baylor's hired a new running backs coach. It was not uh, who we thought it might be earlier in the week, uh, which would have been a boon uh, for them, but that guy got a contract extension. But they did hire Keenan Hall, the new running backs coach and assistant associate head coach. Uh, what do you think about this hire and his recruiting acumen? You know, I actually really like this hire, and he's a guy who was kind of on my radar a little bit as well as Baylor was trying to figure out who their next running back coach is going to be. Uh, it felt like his name had been brought up multiple times as this position has really um, changed quite a bit for Baylor over the years. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a really good hire. He's shown an ability to recruit. I know at Illinois State, that's kind of where uh, he got, I guess, name recognition, as a lot of people saw. Uh, Illinois State putting out offers before other people, and then those same guys who got the Illinois State offer were really blowing up and becoming um, really good recruits, and it was very much a credit towards talent evaluation. And so you've continued to see that from Keenan, and now you know in his time at SMU, you're seeing him as a recruit um, really come into his as a recruiting guy. I mean, come into his own and really do a great job at landing some big time prospects. He was primary or secondary recruiter. Essentially, he just played a big part in the recruitment of multiple high-level guys, um, I think five four-star guys in total. So he's really done a very nice job in that regard. And 
to be honest, this position, you know, you want a guy who comes in that can coach the running back position and really get guys to excel and play hard. But I think Baylor really needed a guy that can recruit at a very high level. And I think that's what Keenan Hall brings to the table. So, Grayson, uh, this answers another big question as far as the staff goes. Uh, what's still out there remaining? I'm trying to think now. Is it just uh, – is that is that it? Is that the last spot opened up on the staff? No, there's the offensive line still. Okay, yeah, O-line. And, and that's, yeah, and that's going to be a big hire. And that's one that truthfully, you know, I, I think – I'm not going to say things are at a standstill because they're not on the recruiting side. Baylor's still – recruiting guys, sending out offers to offensive linemen. But that's a big one that, that definitely needs to happen. Um, and, but unlike this position, it, I really think it's going to be more focused on the technical side, finding a guy who's just a really, really good coach as opposed to being, you know, an ace recruiter. They really need this guy to be able to jumpstart the offensive line production in year one, um, which makes it a really important. And honestly, I think probably a really tough hire for Dave Aranda to make sure that he's picking – the right guy and the guy that they need going into next season. So we'll see uh, kind of how that plays out. I don't think that, um, you know, I think there's still a lot of questions out there about who it's going to be, but I do think it needs to happen soon. And I believe it should happen relatively soon. Grayson, um, Dave Aranda has proved adept over the last couple of years. Now they, they had more uh, portal subtractions last year than they have since the portal era began, but some of those were, um, mutual decisions, I think. Um, I think to put it in the nicest way possible. Uh, but they, after three and nine, and changing offensive coordinators and all that, uh, really only have what um, seven guys leaving, and two of those are retiring. Um, what is it about? The, is it the hire of Jake Spavital? In addition to the the GXG uh, change in the way they're doing things, that has allowed this to happen. I mean, simply put, this is something that I mentioned, I've mentioned multiple times and, you know, I got some pushback for it, but this was always going to happen if they kept Dave Brandon. And, and that's just simply the way it was going to go is that, you know, a lot of these players really like Dave Brandon and what he's brought to the table. And if you were going to try to keep the roster pretty much intact, you know, keeping Dave Brandon was the way to go. And I, I think that bared itself to be true. And we're seeing that, you know, over the course of time here now, you know, there's still three outstanding decisions that we're still waiting to hear on Gavin Byers, Javon Gibson, and uh, Dominic Richardson. But you're exactly right. I mean, you look at the list uh, of guys that have announced they're transferring. I mean, really, you know, it's just Drake Dabney and Blake Shapin uh, that you're kind of like, oh, you know, you wish you had them back. And who knows? Maybe Blake Shapin does decide to come back. There's still uh, definitely a real possibility of that. But outside of that, you know, a lot of the guys that, you know, the guys that are in there right now that they've lost really aren't, aren't big losses. And, you know, you can look to last year and, you know, make an argument that one guy, you know, could have helped this year's team or this guy could have helped this year's team. But at the end of the day, that's been the story with Baylor when it comes to the transfer portal is that guys like staying at Baylor. And Baylor, if they really like that player, they're going to do everything they can to keep that player on their roster. Um, now, I will say, I think the GXG stuff has come at a really good time as well, as you mentioned. And I think that's just another uh, area where they've grown, gotten better, and, and really allowed the roster to see a path forward towards, you know, making competitive NIL money with other schools. And, and I think that's definitely helped things as well. Um, but, yeah, I think they've done a really nice job, and they're sitting in a really good spot 
um, with the current roster that they have. And now they got to build around it with guys from the transfer portal who can come in and make immediate impact. So how long are the Bears and Blake Shapin planning on having an open relationship? Or at some point in time, is it just simply, hey, we went and got another quarterback, we're done? Or is there a timeline? Like how long do you foresee the uncertainty surrounding Blake Shapin and what he's going to end up doing in terms of a Baylor, a Baylor return or, or full-blown portal? Yeah, I mean, I really think it's just going to come down to who makes the decision first. I mean, you know, if Blake decides to go somewhere else, then obviously Baylor's going to move on. If Baylor decides to bring in a guy, then, I mean, that's pretty telling about where they're at in the situation as well. But there's no set timeline. I mean, Blake has been pretty clear based on entering the portal and um, the reports that he was going to enter the portal that, you know, he wanted to look around and, and see what his options were and see, you know, what was out there. And so I think he's doing that and, you know, going through the process a little bit. But I do know that Baylor's continued to recruit him and Jake Savadol has, um, you know, continued to make him a priority while also going out and recruiting other quarterbacks and looking at other quarterbacks and trying to figure out, you know, what's going to be best for this roster going forward. Um, but yeah, they're in a very interesting position because of that. You know, you got Sora Robertson on the roster and, you know, I think he's a very capable and good quarterback, but you definitely need another one who can come in and provide, you know, really good competition. You're not just taking a, a backup quarterback. You're taking a guy who you think could be the starter or will at least push Sora Robertson for that starting spot. So I think that's where they're at. It's a tough position to be in because quarterback, as we all know, a very, very important position, but it's just where they're at as they're trying to figure out, you know, what's going to happen with Lake Shapin and then what direction they want to go in um, after that. But I will say, I don't think this is, you know, Baylor just sitting there waiting and not going to go after quarterbacks. That definitely has not been what has happened so far. Grayson, they've got uh, Northeast Mississippi uh, Community College Juco linebacker uh, Keaton Thomas on campus today. Who else uh, is is potentially going to uh, to make a swing through Waco here? Yeah, really, the only other one that is on the list for today is Kyler Beattie, um, the cornerback out of Comanche High School. He's been committed for a long time, but he wasn't able to take his official visit. It was just him and Connor Hawkins, who's at Liberty Hill, and Connor, of course, just continues to win playoff games. So he's uh, he'll probably take his official visit either next weekend or just whenever uh, whenever he's able to, because his team, you know, has been able to stay in the playoffs for so long, but. Yeah, it's just Kyler Beatty and Keaton Thomas. Um, they're slated to host multiple other visitors throughout the week. That's going to be a, a, a very interesting process because with the transfer portal, it's not all about the weekends. You're able to get guys in during the week. I think you're probably going to see some of that. You're going to see visitors on the weekend as well. Um, but yeah, Baylor's in a, a very interesting spot. They've put out 17 offers to transfer portal prospects. They've been evaluating a ton of other ones. Um, you know, you can kind of see the positions that they're really, you know, eyeing when it comes to wide receiver, offensive line, linebacker, and even uh, uh, defensive line a little bit as well. So lots of positions they need to fill, and now it's just about getting guys on campus. And everything changes a whole lot with the transfer portal day to day. Um, and we've already seen that, you know, in this early going up the process. And I think we're probably going to continue to see that as Baylor starts to, you know, narrow down their priorities. What was your biggest takeaway from hearing Jake Spavital earlier in the week? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, you know, he had a lot of interesting things to say. I think obviously the thing that stood out the most was just him talking about the 
you know, up-tempo offense with the downhill rushing attack with the vertical thrust on the outside and also running some wide receiver screens and just hearing him say that. I know it's not, you know, a one-for-one duplicate, but it sounds a whole lot more like our Browse offense than it does the offense that we've seen over the past few years. And I think fans are going to love that. And, And I do think that there's a lot of merit in kind of what he's done through his career and how his offenses have adjusted the personnel on their rosters like they did at Cal this past year. Um, they went from having a terrible offense to having a really fun and dynamic offense in one season, going from pro style to spread. Now you come to Baylor. Baylor's been running, you know, wide zone RBO type stuff. And now he's going to have to, you know, reshape the roster and reshape um, the scheme uh, to build it around, you know, what Baylor's going to be able to do well. And I think that's really exciting and something that I think fans will love and something that I think will definitely help them uh, score a lot more points. Uh, which obviously they need to do. So that was that was one of the key things. I also think him talking about the roster in general and just talking about how, you know, they don't see a ton of areas where they need to add, you know, just in an in infinite amount of transfers. I think he's looking at the roster and thinking there's a lot of talent on it. Now it's just about adding up some key positions, which based on the offers that have gone out, I think it's pretty obvious that offensive line and trying to get a proven wide receiver who has been – uh, in a air raid or spread scheme, those seem to be like the biggest focal points, which I think we all could have guessed going into uh, the offseason. Grayson Gurdon for Sikkim365.com. Grayson, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Josh Neighbors, Big 12 Watch on Crystal Ball College Football is up next. This is 365 Sports. Oh, Richard Carr, Buick, GMC, how lovely are your know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. It's pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy. And, you know, I bring my kids and my kids love being here too. They really love the treasure box. Staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more, stonewood-dental.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. 
Nation's Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrip off I-35 in Carrollton. Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student athletes through NIL activations. GXG works with partners and donors to offer a suite of options to student athletes, including connections with local businesses and nonprofits, entrepreneurial development, and other avenues to broaden the NIL profile of student athletes. The program helps student athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that not only benefit themselves, but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student-athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL Fund, BaylorBears.com slash GXG. Donors may wish to support the general fund or direct funds to specific sports. Oversight of the NIL Fund is managed by the Board of Directors of Startup Waco and the Baylor NIL Advisor. Council. GXG is a program of Startup Waco, a tax-exempt organization under Internal Revenue Code Section 501c3. Donors should consult their tax advisors regarding the tax deductibility of donations to GXG. Contributions to support NIL activations through GXG can be made at BaylorBears.com GXG. For more information, follow at GXG underscore GreenXGold on social media and visit the official website site www.gxg.startupwaco.com This is 365 Sports powered by Sikkim365.com <laughs> The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Join now via Zoom, host of Big 12 Watch, Josh Neighbors with us. And Josh, thank you for, you were one of many texts that I got, uh, but you were one of the first ones that I got <laughs> uh, on Sunday um, you know, yeah. trying to give me a little bit of comfort from, you know, the most painful sports day of my life. Uh, so, yeah. uh, but yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, we'll just start right off. Like we're in the postseason now. Your thoughts on the CFP and the process? Um, I think we collectively are all happy that the fourteen playoff is going away. Probably none more happy than me. But uh, your thoughts on on the nonsense that happened this week? Yeah, so thanks for having me on, guys. I always like joining you all. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, like you know, I think the games have to matter. Drama is the one that I'm gonna I'm gonna keep beating, and um, you know, I'm a big believer that like they should be rewarded for winning without their starting quarterback and their and their backup quarterback. Uh, Louisville really never had a chance in that game. They were terrible the entire time. I mean, the Florida, the Florida State defense was awesome, and um, a perfect season in a power conference should be rewarded. 
Uh, Alabama lost a game. I know that, you know, keeping out – I don't even know, like, if this is an SEC, ACC type deal. Um, I, I just – I go back to the article. I think it was Dennis Dodd this week who had the piece. It was like, we just watched them and thought they just couldn't win a championship. And honestly, like, I would give them a decent shot if they had to play Washington in the playoff game. You know, we didn't give TCU a very good shot of winning a championship. And did they know, but at least they won a game and they got their way into a championship game. So, yeah, I mean, the criteria changes year to year. And I guess it's okay like, if it's a year-to-year type deal. You know, who is more deserving? What we value is always going to change based off the teams available. But to me, you know, Florida State plays two non-conference games and uh, that are against SEC opponents – Wins them both, one handily, and then one they go on the road. And I know Florida's not great, but they still did. And I asked myself all year, like, if this is an SEC deal, uh, what was the SEC's best non-conference win, right? Was it Missouri beating K-State the last second via field goal? Was it Kentucky over Louisville? I mean, the SEC was not some overwhelming superpower uh, out of conference, especially this year. And so I think Alabama did a really good job of rebounding after the loss to Texas and kind of, call, you know, coming together as a team this year. But, man, you still look like Alabama did lose by by double digits at home against Texas this year. That game did happen. I know it happened in September or whatever. But to me, to be like, well, the SEC champion has to get in, uh, you know, I think it was almost like they, they kind of willed them in. And also, I think they also paired that up with the idea of, well, FSU just can't win a championship, which – Look, man, Washington was a 10-point dog last week, and they won the game outright. Never, you know, they really, uh, the second half rally, you know, Oregon comes ahead, then Washington puts their foot down, basically. So, you know, I I think that's why it's like, hey, we we can prognosticate all we want. That's part of their job, but also resume has to matter. And I know some folks are saying, oh, you're not what your resume says you are. And the end of me, I think, you know, that's, that's the best indication we have. Like, all we really have is what you've done this year, and FSU didn't lose. So, tough. Josh, the Big 12 had one job. Don't let Oklahoma or Texas win the title. And sure enough, Texas goes and beats up Oklahoma State last week. It's crazy because with all the playoff drama, the games sort of just get lost from last weekend in, in some ways uh, in, the, in the bigger conversation. What were your thoughts on the Longhorns and how they took care of business against the Cowboys? And, man, they got a pretty favorable draw travel-wise, um, you know, matchup-wise. I, I think that they look pretty good in this playoff system, but uh, what do you think about the Big 12 champs? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because it's, it's yes, you're, you're right, Craig. It's like the final season of, you know, the final season of the Big 12. They, you don't want Texas and Oklahoma to win it. But to me, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because in the last four Big 12 championship games, we have had seven different teams and the last four seasons, you know, dating back to 2020, we have had four separate big 12 champions. And so, you know, I think the part about this is like, that's actually been the calling card of this league is the parody in it. Right. And, and even so much, you know, the parody, the point where look at the performance of teams that go to the big 12 championship, the follow-up season for a lot of them, has been underwhelming, right? Iowa State's 2021 was underwhelming. Baylor and Oklahoma State both had a, a really underwhelming 2022 campaigns. TCU with a massively underwhelming 2023 campaign this year. And, uh, you know, I, I think K-State was, like, pretty decent, to be honest. You know, just, like, kind of plotting eight and four, which is kind of the way, uh, you know, T, uh, K-State football has been. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, it kind of makes sense that it was Texas' time. Here's what I will say. If, if you take every team 
that was in a Big 12 championship game in the last four seasons, and you put them head-to-head against this Texas team on a neutral field, I feel pretty confident that this Texas team would be favored in all those games. And not only that, I feel pretty confident that they would win the game. Uh, TCU last year may be a bit of an outlier, right? I think that TCU team could exploit some of the stuff that Texas does not do very well in terms of coverage. But, yeah, I mean, this Texas team is is like they are the last two weeks. They have been an absolute hammer. I mean, they, they have not played a competitive second half of football in, in the last three weeks or so. Uh, and I've been really impressed about that and that performance. So I think there's two ways to look at it. Number one, this league has always had turnover. So in that sense, I wish the national storyline too would be more about that, but it's never going to be. It's always going to be about Texas in the last year getting the job done. And it should be because I actually do think this team is a national championship contender because of how good they've looked. We know their obvious weakness, but man, Steve Sarkeesian has just done a great job designing the offense and, and getting the playmakers the ball, even without, even as their playmakers have gone out. Quinn Ewers and obviously Jonathan Brooks, they've continued to impress me. Honestly, they've actually gotten a little bit better since losing Jonathan Brooks about the, you know, the, the, the totality of the offense. So uh, you mentioned um, Washington earlier and how Florida State would maybe match up best with them uh, in the playoff. I actually think it's also maybe Michigan too, uh, because they don't have a high flying offense. But um, but Texas and Washington, this is, I mean. This thing could get wild, and they both have pretty good defenses, but I kind of think that Texas and Washington could wind up like the Oregon and Washington games. Am I wrong here? Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I, I'd love to know what you all think about this, too. I think Washington's the team that, that Texas would least like to play. I, I think that's actually probably offense versus defense. So Texas offense against Washington's defense, like, sure, that's probably the defense you want to face the most. But if there is one team in the playoff that's most equipped to beat Texas, it's actually Washington because of the weapons they have and because of their offense. And I, you know, like here's the thing is, I think Washington's going to live in a lot of second and long, third and long situations because I don't know how much of a successful running the football they're going to do because, guys, when's the last time we saw a team successfully run the rock? And, like, Texas Tech did some, but also didn't mean anything. Did any of Texas Tech's rushing yards mean actually anything in that game? No, they no. didn't. Yeah. So, so I actually think that's that's what makes it interesting because if you said, "Hey, Texas, take on Bama," well, Bama looks a lot better. But guess what? This Texas team would be like, "Sure, yeah, we'll we'll play them again, neutral field. What do we do in their own stadium? We beat them by ten. So, uh, you know, I, I think we like our chances. We line them up again. Uh, and look, they might lose that game, but like, why shouldn't they be confident about that? And then also too for Michigan. You know, that Michigan offense, guys, leaves a lot to be desired. So maybe maybe Michigan's defense gets some stops, but, like, how many points do you think Texas needs to win that game? I think Sark is like, you know, if I get 27, do we win? So I think there's a pretty good chance we win. And we get, like, 27, you know, 28 points in that game. And I, Look, if there's a certain point number, I usually think we like Texas' chance to reach that point number. So this matchup is really interesting because, hey – Penix and Adunze and uh, Polk. I mean, they've, they've got a bunch of guys across the board that can hurt you on offense. And I think the big question is, like, will Washington be able to run the ball all effectively? And will it really matter? Like, I don't think they want to throw the ball 60 times in the game. But, hey, if they have to, they can. They have a full month prepared, too. So I'm, I'm pretty fired up. Like, I, I, yeah, this thing, can, it, can this thing definitely get wild? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this thing can get pointsy. 
Josh, uh, some other news going on around just the league in college football. The carousel kind of grinding to a halt. We just saw Tulane fill, but now Troy's open, obviously. But uh, your thoughts on the big decision down in H-Town with Willie Fritz uh, making the move over mm-hmm. from Tulane to now be the, the man in charge of the Cougars. Got a big background in Texas, obviously. But uh, what did you think of that hire from, uh, from H-Town? Well, I, I think when we look at what has is, what is worked for Big 12 schools in terms of hiring, right? And let's look at some of the, a couple of the most recent hires. How has the hire worked out for Kansas State with Chris Kleiman? I would say it's worked out pretty well. Yep. How has the hire worked out at Kansas for Lance Leipold? I'd say it's worked out pretty well. Those are guys who I believe when they were hired all in their 50s, right? Willie Fritz is 60. And if you look at their track records, they have won at every single stop on their head coaching resume. And sometimes, like, when you hire a guy – that's kind of just what you want. And I know, you know Willie Fritz, uh, you know, showing that energy at the press conference. I love it. I, I don't think it's necessarily like, that's not really what he brings to the table though. You know, you're talking about a, a, a craftsman, a guy who's in a really good job of cultivating rosters, cultivating teams, developing players, developing talent. Um, and I think that model works. And I think Houston football, that's what they need. They like, their effort this year, it was so inconsistent at Houston. That Texas game, man, they showed they were really impressive with the amount of just how they showed up, right? And and that wrong there, I mean, Texas had no answers for answers for them for a large large portion of that game and almost lost the game. And uh, the UTSA game, you know, that's the first game of the season, man, that was impressive. But they were always they had that Rice game, complete debacle. Uh, they got boat raised by Kansas State, which you could probably see coming a mile away, right? That's their problem is how up and down they were. And I think Willie Fritz adds a level of stability. And also he reminds me of the other coaching hires in this league recently that have brought some stability and success. And we even want to say, hey, Gus Malzahn at UCF. Sure, because, I mean, guys, there's only one team out of the new four that made a bowl game, and that was UCF. So – I would even say that, that that's been a good hire for them so far. Yeah, I think kind of the elder statesman is a good move for these schools, and I expect it to be a good move for Houston. I'm not saying it guarantees a conference title or anything, but I think a bit more consistent winning they were doing. It won't be as much of a up-and-down situation. They're going to have a bit more of a plateau steady or a win-loss record each year. Your thoughts on uh, kind of the early returns of the transfer portal and some of those guys that are out there. Look, Baylor's probably going to need a quarterback. Cincinnati uh, got a quarterback already. Um, you know, there, there's going to be some some movement. Uh, Texas is going to be very portal heavy. Of course, they're leaving, so it didn't really matter in, in terms of the Big 12. But uh, anything really shock you uh, early on or guys that uh, interest you in the transfer portal? Yes. Yeah, so, um, well, I, I think this one's interesting, guys. And I, I, I talked about this last week, and I, I'm not sure we're talking about it enough. You know, I'm not sure we talked about it with you guys, but the last two Big 12 championship winning quarterbacks in the portal still is like pretty crazy thing, right? Uh-huh. Well, at least obviously predates last week. Um, you know, Quinn Ewers now is still in Texas, so we have to give him that. But like, that's really interesting. Is I mean, Blake Shapen and, and the situations are obviously very different. 
Um, you all have been reading the shape and thing. I know they're talking to him, trying to get him back. I don't really know where we are at that point. That feels like it's probably not going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's continuing on. It's just I, I asked Grayson a little while. I was like, at what point do they just I, – I think it's just going to come to a point where either Blake Shapin commits somewhere else or Baylor gets a quarterback, and that just answers the question itself. You know, that, that seems like kind of where we are right now. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's looking like it's probably the end of the road. Uh, I'd say 60-40 end of the road. Yeah, and maybe you know, maybe it should be. Like, I think um, I think for Will Howard too. You know, that was a point where they've got what three more years of Avery Johnson's eligibility, yeah. and I think um, you know I think for them now losing Colin Klein's a huge loss, obviously. But those are guys like we talked about those. You know, those coaches second ago, they're good coaches. They're kind of that's kind of the expectation. Like I think at some point Leipold and Klein would expect to lose coordinators. You know why? Because they're going to have good coordinators with the way their teams are coached. So uh, I, I don't think there's much of a secret at K-State what they want to do with their quarterback. So I, I think it's um, like the good news for K-State is you lost a guy who I think is pretty good, and he's going to go somewhere where I think it's going to be more of a passing offense, right? Uh, and then obviously, um, uh, you know, we're seeing a situation uh, happen at, at Baylor where I think Spottle comes in and they're probably looking for a new quarterback. I just saw one that came across in terms of quarterbacks that was really interesting to me. That was uh, Curtis Rourke, who I like a lot. Yeah, taking visits to Indiana and Wake Forest. You know, I, guys, I watch a lot of action. Uh, I love to bet on those Tuesday night games. Curtis Rourke is like really good and has been really good for a while. And that is a guy that I think some upper level power fives would just love to have a guy who's competent and good like a Curtis work and has played a lot of football and has seen a lot of things. And so I'm surprised that places like Wake Forest and Indiana would be the next stop for a guy who I think can play a lot, you know, no disrespect to those programs, other, other places. I know I saw the JMU quarterback too. You know, is he going to follow Kurt Signetti there? It's interesting, but yeah, I mean, the quarterback movement is obviously the, the biggest question here for a lot of it. And, uh, you know, I'm curious about, Oklahoma State, like, what does their quarterback situation look like next year? Uh, Donovan Smith at Houston, you know, is he going to is he going to enter the portal? Uh, what's UCF going to do? Right? There's some there's some really good coaches who are going to have some decisions to make on quarterbacks next year in the Big Twelve, and we'll see if it's guys who are on the roster, guys they are recruiting, or if it's guys that show up in the portal. TCU, Josh Uber, like, is that the guy? I mean, yeah. you know, we're waiting on KJ Jefferson to reignite with Caleb Riles. What's going to happen there? There was somebody, golly, and I've I've lost it. That it was visiting UCF. That would have been like an excellent fit for them. Oh, Grayson McCall. Grayson McCall. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Oh my God, could you imagine that? That's that's fantastic. That's a that's a match made in heaven, right? I mean, you see so much of what the, you know, I know that the offense this year I think changed a little bit for for Coastal, but if you look at the offense that they ran, I mean, it was basically shotgun triple option. They were running a whole lot of when Jamie Chadwell was there. I think it'd be really interesting to see Gus Malzahn's offense is just so motion heavy, right, and so reliant on on movement and you know different guys at different places and stuff. I think McCall would be a pretty natural fit in that offense. So uh, I I love to hear about that movement. I think that'd be an excellent fit if that does happen. So Josh, uh, big news there with Kansas coaching staff losing OC Andy Kotelnicki uh, to Penn mm-hmm. State, a great hire for the Nittany Lions, but. They go and hire Jeff Grimes from Baylor, and I saw a lot of confusion on Kansas fans' parts about, well, didn't Baylor kind of suck on offense? It's like, yeah, but that was also personnel, bad O-line, things like that. Kansas already has plenty of familiarity with the wide zone, so he's stepping into a situation where he's oh, yeah. a, 
a self-proclaimed master of the wide zone himself. I think it's a, a hire that makes a ton of sense. What do you think about Grimes to KU? I'm with you because if you think about what they're trying to do there, like Jaden Daniel, Daniel, Jalen Daniels is coming back, right? So what they're trying to do right now at Kansas is excuse me, stack winning seasons, right? And I think a move like this is a like Kotelnicki's creativity was the huge was was his biggest asset. And I, I, I forget the guy's name. The quarterback coach uh, starts the last name, starts with the same his name. But he's staying on as co-OC, I believe, or at least the bowl game, right? And so you're hoping, like, some of the lower-level guys on the staff might bring the ideas. I think Grimes kind of brings that steady-handed, the, you know, the, the wide zone stuff. Like, like a lot of that stuff's going to be the foundation of our offense, and people know that. And so – just keeping kind of keeping on the tracks, keeping everything going, maintain a lot of those ideas you had last year, throw that stuff in. It's on tape. So it's not, you know, you're like, you're going to forget it happens because it's just like he's gone. Now the new ideas are what you're missing out on here ostensibly. Right. But um, yeah, I, I just like the kind of uh, the idea for Kansas football of trying to keep the train on the tracks, because this is what program development looks like. The fact that they went from, what was it his first season? Two or three wins mm-hmm. to six mm-hmm. to eight. I yeah. mean, look, there's going to be some regression at some point. But like if they win another six and seven next year, especially if Daniels is not able to be quarterback the entire season, that's going to be another really impressive thing. I mean, they just keep stacking winning seasons. That's what Kansas football wants to do because that, that means that you're building a program. You're building something that can hopefully last there at Kansas. And I think Jeff Grimes is a step in helping them get there. It's not going to be the sexiest hire. It's not some young innovative hire. It's like, let's just keep this thing where it's at because where it's at is not where it's actually been in the past, right? It's not about elevating. It's about let's get to a level we can sustain. Absolutely. Josh, thanks so much, man. Always love talking to you. Josh Neighbors. Big 12 Watch, Crystal Ball College Football. Please go like and subscribe uh, to uh, that uh, channel and watch him uh, every day when he does his show. So, uh, Josh, yeah. thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting stuff to get to here in the offseason, Craig, that uh, that doesn't involve lawsuits. So, Yeah, I actually like talking about uh, some of this other stuff a bit more. And so, yeah. yeah, it's fun to talk about coaching changes and the transfer portal. I don't love every aspect of that either. Um, kind of like I've said before when it comes to Baylor's roster. I'm not sure I want to make it a habit every offseason of having to check the box on all 85 scholarship guys and whether they're going to return, especially the ones who have been there for all of, like, you know, less than a year at this point. Yeah. I mean, do I really want to see year after year of, like, the true freshman who played three plays declaring in, on Instagram that he's coming back? Like, I mean, is that not kind of silly, yeah. you know? So I don't know how much I love the player declaration team-wide. I think, though, for Baylor in this specific case, it was absolutely needed, I think, as a showing of uh, just, you know, being a team and being – uh, in lockstep with Dave Aranda as the head coach and their support for him and their belief in the program, I think that was a big deal. But there are there are things like that that I'm like, I don't know if I love this necessarily, but I do love all of the the different moving pieces. And, you know, then you throw realignment into the mix, and there's a lot of noise out there when it comes to that. There's a lot of just, I think, throwing mud at the wall um, in, in certain corners. But I, I did see where, you know, earlier today, Reese Davis was on, I guess, the College Game Day podcast. Or, no, it's Pete Thamel. Pete Thamel's on the uh, 
College Game Day podcast, and I guess was talking about you know potential expansion candidates, and so that got everybody into a tizzy again when it comes to the whole conversation about Florida State and the ACC and what that could look like, you know, uh, moving forward. So, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be another wild off season in, yeah. in every way, shape, and form. And the carousel's kind of starting to creak down, but we know that Black Sunday is going to come here eventually mm-hmm. with the NFL coaching firings, and that could create a whole new set of of movements so yeah it's it's a fun time it's a it's a stressful time kind of in some ways because everybody's like having to worry about everything about the program you know every nook and crannies uh being taken care of and and looked into and and trying to be improved and held on to in some cases but um yeah, it's, it's a roller coaster ride, and it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, Garrett, uh, you brought this up during the break. It is um, now confirmed by on – well, no, it's not. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There are a lot of these fake – That's what uh, I was wondering. I wasn't sure accounts. if it was real or you not. Gotta, you got to look yeah, deep I know. before you just see a thing at surface level and think, oh, well, that's yeah, so no. uh, Pete Thamel reporting. It's like, no, that's Poot Thummel is uh, <laughs> the one actually reporting that, you know? Yeah. No, yeah, that's uh, no. They, I, 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 because I was trying. There's to a rumor up. going around that Jeff Sims is going to Miami, right? That's what you're getting yeah. at. That's been floating around there on Twitter, and we're trying to figure out if there's any truth to it or not. Because when I first heard he's, that, he's in the portal as of two days ago. So if okay. he had already made that decision, but you, you know. obviously have an interest as an FSU fan because you want to watch Miami burn, and I'm <laughs> just confused because I don't see the appeal uh, really at all for Miami um, after what we saw in in Lincoln and in Atlanta. Uh, but, yeah, I think we're all just kind of puzzled by that potential move and curious to find out if it's true or not. But as you said, there's a lot of false information that flows freely throughout uh, Twitter, so you can't really tell, and you got to make sure that it's confirmed by uh, actual sources. Yeah, so... Um, I'm going to say since you can't find it, it's probably not true right now. I feel like no, that would be not. something that would be pretty clearly known at this point i think when i initially saw it, it was one of those fake twitter accounts that had the on three logo but then yeah. the, you got to look and the name yeah. is different there's a lot of those fake yeah. on three accounts now i've yes. noticed that people putting that as their their little uh Thanks avatar yeah yeah right yeah yeah i know i um i still follow her i don't know if you remember this uh there was a girl who was an fsu fan that said that Girls at FSU need to stop hooking up with Florida State football players until they start winning again. Yeah, I remember that. And then after that, they actually started winning. So I'm not saying, but she. Way to go, ladies. But but she she, uh, I gotta find her tweet. Uh, it was not something I could say on the air, but it was hilarious about the fake on three accounts. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, I don't like. Yeah, I you know, and you get it, you know, you get one of those, you know, fake Twitter accounts. Like it, you know, until I, I pulled it up, like I saw it on three, so I just clicked it, and then I was like, "Hey, Garrett," and then I looked, and as I was starting to read, I was like, "Oh no, it's you know, it just doesn't make any sense." No, like, that's that thing. It doesn't make any sense for Miami to go and get Jeff Sims. So yeah, yeah that, I mean, I know. Um, they could stand to improve at quarterback, but that's not how you're doing it. <laughs> I mean, he he had a, a, a year. He, he was at Nebraska. Yeah. That happened. Um, yeah. Besides that, it was not great. But, yeah. He's already been in that conference at Georgia Tech and not won. Like, right. so yeah. bringing him back would, would not make any sense. Like, that's why that rumor is really weird. And I, I wonder uh, who started. Look, not to say that maybe not, maybe – you know who knows, but uh, it, who knows where he's going? Man, it's like, dude, it's yeah. like there's a on three breaking and the whole the emojis and all that, and it's very clearly just some dude. And it's just, I, I think the worst, absolute worst thing that 
Twitter did, and I'm not going to call it X. It's just it's always going to be Twitter. When you started to reward people for just simply making impressions, because now all it is is just a race to just get eyeballs, no matter what. It doesn't matter how or what you say or if it's accurate or whatever. It's just what and like just showing the view count so that people just obsess over that. If before you just posted stuff, like you posted yeah. news and you enjoyed it and you liked what you liked, you didn't like what you liked. But now I know there are people in our business, especially that the whole aim is just how can I get as many eyeballs so that Twitter will pay me? And I don't know. It's just made it's made a mess of things. Really, it's made an entire mess of it because now there's no. Now you're incentivized to go and just lie and create as much chaos as possible to get those impressions, and I just think that's a that's a really bad thing in general for the the platform. But I guess when you need to make money, you you do whatever you can to try and you know do what you can to recoup some of it. And yeah. I don't know how successful that venture it, will be. I don't think it's, it's going to be, but it's the gig economy, man. Yeah. Uh, I guess so. Uh, yeah. We'll take a break right here. When we come back, uh, a little bit more uh, college football news and transfer portal stuff before four forty-five. We get to our good friend Mike Scarborough, and we'll talk LSU and Jane Daniels. And Garrett wants to know what their portal plan is. I would like to know that he wants to know what their plan is, what their plan at quarterback is. Is it is it Garrett Nussmeyer's time? What is it? And of course, he's going to have the bowl game to show that it is because I would assume that probably eventual Heisman Trophy winner Jaden Daniels is not going to play uh, in that game. But you never know. Bryce Young played uh, in the Cotton Bowl. So we'll see. This is 365 Sports. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called Semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help is finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective, Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to pettycliniclowt.com. There are 20 
26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by, let's be friends. Welcome back. Sikkim 365 uh, presents 365 Sports. Sometimes you fall back into the old uh, show name. It'll get you. It'll get you. It'll get you. We're still owned by Sikkim 365, but uh, the show is named 365 Sports. I know everybody uh, knows that. Um, <laughs> Brett Bingham on the chat room. It's pretty bad when you're playing Call of Duty and come across a player's name tag that says Connor Stallions three days ago. That might be him. He's got nothing else to do. Be, yeah. <laughs> Kill some time, literally. You know, I mean, he's fixing vacuums, so... <laughs> Like, I, I can't wait for the 30 for 30. It'll be a masterpiece. I mean, just on the guy. You know, uh, how you love a thing so much. So much that you are willing to take all of the crap for it. And, you know, come up, like, come up with this plan. Like, try to navigate it. And then, like, on the side of all that, it's like, yeah, you know, I like to fix vacuums on the side. This is a good little side hustle. Everybody needs a side hustle. It's yes. fine. That's fine. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Are we are we frozen? I think we might be. Hold up. There we go. Okay. There we go. We're back. All right. I was a little worried about that. Bear with us for a second, folks. You'll see that we're not frozen uh, in just one second. Um, but, yeah, I uh, – yeah, the, Craig. I know you were you were in the restroom. There was a uh, Brett Brigham on the thing said uh, he was playing Call of Duty and somebody's player tag was Connor Stallions. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I like that. I think that's uh, that's fun. And uh, Connor Stallions, man, we haven't heard his name in a little while, huh? No, uh, kind of that just disappeared. No, all Ve- of a sudden. Very much looking forward to the like we said the thirty for thirty about that because I really want to know like. What drove you to to that point to where you love a thing so much that you're willing to to take all that crap for it? And not to say like I don't know how much Michigan's coaches knew about it or didn't know about it. Like we'll we'll find that out eventually. Well, I mean, however much the people thought that they did, there's been a lot of backing off from that. I mean, yeah. as, I mean, dude, the story's disappeared. Yeah, for the most part, people like it, it got brought up last week with the playoffs of how could you put Michigan at number one when they were. Very clearly, it appears cheating to some extent. Yeah. And I, if, if it was me personally, I would have Washington at number one. Yeah, I, I would have had Washington at number one. I think they're by far and away the most impressive. Had a way better schedule, la di da di da. But that was the thing that got brought up, and then it went away as the conversation shifted to less about who was ranked number one and more about who was ranked number four. But yeah, that's uh, that makes me curious because um, there sure was a lot of big talking and a lot of you know this and that and that has disappeared maybe i need to go on the big 10 message boards and and maybe it's more of what's going on there but dude it's pretty much absent from social media from 
what I've seen. Um, so that, that leads me to believe that maybe that story wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Imagine that. Um, and I guess we'll learn more as time goes by. But, yeah, the Connor Stallions thing just in general is uh, going to need to be explored a little bit further. I think it's you said it, you love something so much. He's just such a diehard Michigan fan that you would do anything to feel like you're a part of the team. I think, you know, people want to feel important, right? People want to feel like they're important. And I think that there's probably some element of that. But I'm not a, uh, a you know, a psychiatrist, so... Who knows? But I am interested to learn a little bit more when the time is right on you know what exactly that all was and why or what was his role in all of it and why uh, when all when all is said and done. Yeah, um, yeah, it's that's just a fun a, gamer tag though. It's, maybe it's actually him. I mean, what like else does he have to do I right mean, now? Well, yeah, I mean, fixing vacuums and playing Call of Duty. He doesn't have any trips to go scouting right now. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think at least, uh, and if so, it's on his own dime, of course. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of questions that still need to be cleared up there. But it has uh, seen a dramatic decrease in media attention, which is just interesting uh, on its own right. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I can't, I can't wait for that. But uh, yeah, it's. Um, that was interesting. I just wanted to dive into the chat room for a second and see, you know, uh, wh- you know, if there's anything anybody had any direct questions or or things for us, which which they don't uh, at this time. So it proved un- unfruitful. Uh, Paxton got his Big Twelve championship hat. Oh, good. So, Congrats, Paxton. Yeah. So he got that. So that's the. That's the one thing I think is going to really bug Big 12 fans. You mentioned a Josh, like, you you know, they had one job to do, which was not let Texas or Oklahoma win it, 50% complete, <laughs> you know. But but Texas won it, and now they have those last going out the door. There should be some pretty cool T-shirts, I would think, of Texas leaving the Big 12 and winning the championships that their fans can have uh, taking shots at, at the Big 12. Um, your my, my, I had friends there that said every time your mark got out of the mic, he just got – he got he got booed like a wrestling heel. Yeah, I mean, there's the we had I don't know who it was that made the comparison to Dom Mysterio, yeah, uh, who's the son of Rey Mysterio and is a wrestler. I think it was uh, Cedric Golden. In, yeah, it was Cedric Golden in WWE, and every time, and I, I, no, I think he's on Raw actually tonight, SmackDown. But every time he touches the mic before he even says a word, and this has been the case for like about a year or so now, he gets I mean the loudest boos you've ever heard. He gets drowned out, and that's what he was comparing it to because that was very much the case with your mark. I think the whole thing got blown way out of proportion. He was in Lubbock. He was speaking to Texas Tech folks, but everything's public now. Um, and so, you know, he got caught making a comment. I'm not going to debate the merits of a sitting commissioner and what they should do yeah. in the protocol. I mean, it was it's college football, and so it's like I just didn't think it was that big of a deal, but it was made to be a really big deal. And you know what? If you're going to talk the talk, then you got to walk the walk. And you know what? He had to eat his words because uh, they went and blew out Texas Tech, Joey, and then put up, you know, very little – fight in an attempt to try and curb the the Texas yeah. run and then they went out and they beat Oklahoma State and they won the Big 12 on their way out so uh you know thanks for the money uh Texas uh, the college football playoff money the Big 12 sure appreciates that and the uh, ratings on your way out but um yeah I mean kudos to Texas they, they had every right to bark uh last week when they won and uh and drown out Brett Yormark so you know, that is what it is. You set yourself up for that, and uh, and Oklahoma State didn't follow through. Nor did anybody else in the conference not named Oklahoma, for that matter. The Prodigal Heel, $20 Super Chat. Thank you so much, the, the Prodigal Heel. So I got kicked out of a Longhorns group after defending Florida State, after sharing a meme where I did a Mach 12 uh, playoff and replaced Liberty with Oklahoma. Suddenly an undefeated season and a championship mattered again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank Listen. 
as a spokesman for all of the Florida State fans out there, thank you, Prodigal mm-hmm. Heel. Thank you so much. Any any defense we can get is good. I'll, I'll tell you this, Craig, and we got a break to go to Mike Scarborough. One of the things I was thinking about this morning is, you know, Mike Norvell is out on the recruiting trail like or hosting recruits right now. Uh, Florida State has the benefit of, of being uh, right down the street. They played all the, the state championships in Florida uh, at Florida A&M. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's – you know, just down the road uh, from from Doe Campbell Stadium, so uh, they they hosted several like big time, you know, five star kids that were playing in in Florida State championship games in Tallahassee this week because they're there, um, you know, playing their games. And uh, I think if he's smart about this, he might be able to capitalize on the recruiting trail. Like, hey, help us come slay the dragon. Uh, well, so all of the press, like this, is the first time in my history as a Florida State alum and fan, that all the press about them has been good. Like, there's no bad press about them other than, like, their quarterback was hurt or the ACC isn't. And that's a change from this summer where it was like, ah, jerks trying to get out of the, out of the conference. So they need to capitalize on this week of, of good press and sympathy. Yeah. Uh, read, read that super chat again. And who it was from? The Prodigal Heel. Prodigal Heel. Yes. He was uh, talking about wrestling. That seems to fit in very well. Yeah. He got kicked out of a Longhorns group after defending FSU and sharing a meme where he did a 12 uh, team mock yeah. playoff and replaced Liberty with Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, good for you, Prodigal Heel. They're soft. <laughs> Clearly soft group you were trying to, to interact with there. But, uh, no, good on you, and uh, appreciate the super chat. Really appreciate that, and uh, love the name as well. Um, like I said, that fits well into the wrestling conversation we were having there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be a hot topic for a long time, I think. It's going to be something that we always return to when we're talking about the future of the playoff and arguments about unbeatens and things like that. Now, fortunately, there won't be another example of it, really, because this is the end of the four. And uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to see you know, what this new iteration looks like and what our new problems are, right? Yeah. And some seem to think that it'll be – well, now it's just going to be a conversation about the 13th team. I don't think so. I don't think there's going to be nearly as much calamity about team number 13. Like, sorry, buddy. You lost at least a couple of games. Yeah, I like, think. Like, I mean, that is not nearly as big of a deal as not getting the, the top four spot I, in the playoff being unbeaten. It's not even close to the same conversation. I, I think the conversation will come in when, it, like, a 9-3 and three SEC team jumps a 10-2 and two Big 12 team. That's what everybody's like, worried that, about, that's, yes. That's what would happen, or an ACC team where – like, well, they're three, or to these three, they're already in the playoffs, and one of this one's right. two is to a team that's not in the playoff, and you're like, yeah, but they still have three and they have two. Like, Kind of like how know. they already packed the top 25, so you always have yeah. all these ranked wins because when one team loses, like Kentucky loses, they fall out. But guess what? South Carolina's now in there. Like, South Carolina loses. Guess what? Tennessee's, you know, 10 spots higher. It's, it, it's, if you watch it, man, I wish there was people who had actually tracked this to either prove it or disprove it, but I do feel like that's absolutely been a thing now for at least a few years of one team drops in, another team leaps in, and so you never really lose anything. You always have like a handful of teams, and especially up near the top, because they just get you know, the rub off of each other. Brando talks about this a lot, about lazy sports writers or or people who kind of only look at their thing. So He has a point. And he has a point of where, like, not everybody looks at everything and looks at it as as a whole. They just follow where they've been told. So so when they look, because if they didn't see Tennessee and Missouri, they're going to be like, oh, well, 
We can't drop Tennessee. We can't drop and Missouri needs to go like, up a bunch yeah, of So spots. we got to re- replace yeah. that because they're just they've just been told. But that's the everything. thing is teams don't drop dramatically, no. but they rise dramatically, and then one falls and one enters, and so there's never any. Well, there's never it's never gets whittled down to like three teams. It's always at like six, no matter what, because so, it all just. You know. Just use I'll use the Big Twelve as an example. Okay, Oklahoma State lost to South Alabama, so everybody thought that they sucked, right? Yes. Well, then if you lost to Oklahoma State the next week and you were a ranked team, you were going to drop all the way out because oh my God, you lost to that team, right? And then at the end of the year, when Oklahoma State is nine and three, that Big Twelve team not going to be rewarded as much as the same thing happening to an SEC team, right? And and Oklahoma State yeah. has to like really work to get any yeah. of their traction back, whereas you know you can drop. Yeah, I mean, and it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't be that big of a deal wouldn't bother me except for the fact that those are taken into account in the overall argument and those are yeah. taken into account in rankings and things like that they do matter even though they probably shouldn't matter as much but yeah that's they, something that's always bothered uh, honestly, me honestly they really shouldn't matter at all right because well you got to do it for tv broadcast yeah. and hey it's number five versus number 15 yeah. on saturday night in the horseshoe and so you got to have it for, for that effect but yeah that is something that's that's rubbed me the wrong way now for a few years and i do think there is merit to that i think they're is uh is definitely something backing that. Yeah. People want to cover what they want to cover and they don't want to Oh, I know we got to go. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And and there's sports writers and I know for from our standpoint if we're over at McLean, we don't have time to watch every single game that's going on. So I wouldn't feel like I could really tell you with absolute certainty like 20 through 25 and how to separate those from versus other conferences. But I can tell you as somebody who works very closely with a an award in college football that we got back some um some forms for voting on the next round of semifinalists and finalists. And some of the names that people voted into the next round had to be purely name recognition and was not in any way, shape or form based on actual performance. Yeah. I mean, like ludicrous ballots of like, did you watch college football this year? How in the hell is this guy in your semifinalist list? So that absolutely does happen. And these are the same folks that are voting for all these other things as well. And so, yeah, that's absolutely true of there's a, there's a there's a very much a hit or miss territory when you're asking people to try and cover the entire landscape, you know, when especially when they're spending ten hours at a press box in a yeah. single place every Saturday. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. When we come back, Mike Scarborough, uh, we'll talk LSU and Jane Daniels with us. This is three sixty five sports. Right now, Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, and Waco, no payments for ninety days. No payments till spring of twenty twenty four. All Jeep Grand Cherokees, Jeep Compass, and Jeep Renegade get 10% off below MSRP. And if that's not enough, take 11000 off MSRP on the 2023 Jeep Gladiator Overland. Inventory won't last long. Deals are smoking hot. 2023 Ram 1500 Laramie 4x4. Take 15000 off MSRP, 2.9% for 72 months. One of those two options. New 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star 4x4. Take 12000 off MSRP or 2.9% for 72 months. First responders, get an extra $500 if you want pre-owned cars. Beautiful one owner, 2021. One Chevy Suburban High Country loaded 40,000 miles for only 59,990. A sexy 2020 BMW X4 sunroof navigation with 40,000 miles sell 
price $42,985. How about a one-owner, top of its class, 2019 BMW X7 with all the bells and whistles for only $53,990. 2020 Jeep Gladiator Overland for only $34,990 plus tax, title, and license. All of the deals. Ted Teague, General Manager, CEO, Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat in Waco, Loop 340, east of 84. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at Alliance AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student athletes through NIL activations. GXG works with partners and donors to offer a suite of options to student athletes, including connections with local businesses and nonprofits, entrepreneurial development, and other avenues to broaden the NIL profile of student athletes. The program helps student athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that not only benefit themselves, but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student-athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL Fund, BaylorBears.com slash GXG. Donors may wish to support the general fund or direct funds to specific sports. Oversight of the NIL Fund is managed by the Board of Directors of Startup Waco and the Baylor NIL Advisor. 
Advisory Council. GXG is a program of Startup Waco, a tax-exempt organization under Internal Revenue Code Section 501c3. Donors should consult their tax advisors regarding the tax deductibility of donations to GXG. Contributions to support NIL activations through GXG can be made at BaylorBears.com slash GXG. For more information, follow at GXG underscore GreenXGold on social media and visit the official website www.gxg.startupwaco.com. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. Welcome back. Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com joins us now. And Mike, um, all signs point to Jaden Daniels being the Heisman Trophy winner, uh, which would be the second one in, in what, four years uh, for for the Tigers. Now, I know this was not their their best season at 9-3. and three. They lost to the, the three best teams that they played, but how much would this kind of buoy Brian Kelly in the program heading into the offseason if, if this does, in fact, happen? You know, I don't know that it, it, it does. Well, look, look, it's anytime you have a Heisman Trophy winner, it's great for your program. It shows other recruits out there what's possible. LSU's in it for a five-star quarterback. Bryce Underwood uh, for the class of 25, who's going to make a decision January 6th. So, I mean, look, all this stuff plays with each other. I mean, you've you got to believe that part of the reason why a lot of recruits that have come LSU's way uh, since 2019 are, are because of what they saw. Um but it, it, it is a big deal. But I, I'll also say it's, you know, we're going to look back on this season and we're eight, ten years from now where you're like, boy, what could have been had LSU just had a mediocre defense? Because I think if LSU had a mediocre defense, this team is undefeated right now. Mike, for you, um, is it Jaden Daniels or Bust as far as the Heisman, or do you think uh, there's still a chance? Of, or who would you who would you say is the best competition? Would it be Michael Penix is, in terms of the argument for the Heisman Trophy winner? I think it's Penix, and and that's may, may, you know mainly because of uh, winning that championship game. Uh, you guys might think differently, but no. um, you know I, I just kind of wonder, you know, really when you look at what Jaden Daniels did throughout the season, did you did it really come down to? needing Bo Nix to lose for his team to lose in the Pac-12 championship game in order for it to, to, to end up in Jaden Daniels' lap. Um, I mean, having seen him and know how valuable he is to LSU, and it's not just this year. I know we all talk about uh, what uh, the difference between Jaden Daniels this year and last year, but I maintain that LSU doesn't have half the wins they had last season without Jaden Daniels. He's basically, you know, look, I, I get it. There's Malik Neighbors and, and, and so forth and, and Brian Thomas and, and, and a, now a, a stout offensive line. But Jaden Daniels is the one that's made it go. And um, now he's just a complete package. And um, I never thought I, – I, I wondered if I'd ever see a Heisman Trophy winner in my lifetime. And now I will have seen uh, two of them in, 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 in a short period of time. So, Mike, what is the plan to fix the defense? 
Well, that's kind of what we're wondering is going to take place. Uh, we, we, we've had heated arguments on our shows. Um, I could see where Brian Kelly might say, look, uh, Matt House is uh, missing a whole lot of Jims and Joes. His defensive line coach uh, was hospitalized the day before the first day of fall camp. Greg Brooks and, and his situation and, and, and uh, the, the brain tumor and – uh, that was going to be your absolute team leader on the back end of that defense. Uh, multiple injuries at corner. A um, couple of transfer portal kids that didn't pan out end up being cancers. And, and of course, Denver Harris was one of those. And you knew that was a, a real possibility based on what he did at A&M. Um, and you can also, in Matt House's defense, say he didn't hire any of the assistant coaches on his side of the ball. They were all there when he arrived from Kansas City. So I tend to think maybe from a perception standpoint, he's going to clean house, but I don't know that for sure. Um, does he do uh, one or two things before the bowl game? Um, does it all happen after the bowl game? Or and is it a situation where all of a sudden nobody actually gets fired, but they find jobs elsewhere if you get my drift? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um Transfer portal wise, you know, it's for everybody. They're losing players, they're gaining players. What's kind of LSU's, I guess, um, I guess, point of attack here when it comes to this off season, the transfer portal, and what are they kind of looking at in terms of additions and subtractions in your mind? I think need multiple defensive backs, one or two cornerbacks, maybe a safety. Um, absolutely have to have a transfer portal quarterback in my mind. Not somebody to compete against Nussmar, but definitely a capable backup. Um, you don't want to go into next season, and we're going to find out. I doubt Jaden Daniels is going to participate in the bowl game. So Nussmar is likely going to be your starter against Wisconsin. So you're kind of going to, going to, going to get a real idea of how that might play out for next season, a preview. Um, but you don't want to go into next season where if something happens to him, the next man up is a redshirt freshman. And the number three quarterback is actually 16 years old. Uh, Colin Hurley uh, is graduating a year early, LSU, who's going to be LSU's quarterback signing in a few weeks. So uh, I think a quarterback, um, might they take a transfer portal running back? That's kind of iffy. Uh, I think they would like to have another uh, really good wide receiver. Um, and then other than that, if someone's really good there in a position um, that really makes you better, maybe they would go there. But I don't know if the portal class is as big as you need, but I really think the biggest need position is defensive tackle, interior defensive linemen. Um, as much as the DBs have gotten roasted at LSU, I think the defensive front is, is the biggest question mark. I don't see them convincing Makai Wingo to come back for another year. And um, – I think they need at least one bona fide starter from the transfer portal up front. And, um, you know, we start seeing guys like Walter Nolan get in the portal and um, some of the dollar amounts I've heard for top-flight defensive tackles. Um, we're going to see how serious LSU is with NIL money in a hurry. 
Well, Mike, uh, you might have uh, made Garrett, our producer uh, and huge LSU fan, a little apoplectic when you said maybe on a running back. Uh, he he really was hoping that they might be able to bring Trevor Etienne home. Do you think that's a reality at all? That I don't know. Look, LSU's really chipped at running back, but you don't know whether Logan Diggs or Josh Williams are both just going to go ahead and call it a day. If Josh Williams comes back, I don't think they go and get a running back. But both, if, if both of them decide not to return, um, I think maybe you would go out and try and get one, whether it's HN or somebody else, I don't know. Um, the fact that HN is getting in the portal, you know, one of my Florida sources says that his older brother's kind of been in his ear for a while. Does that mean he's going to end up at Clemson? I, I, I don't know. Oh, God, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> I, I was hoping as a Florida State fan that we were kind of done with that family when, <laughs> when he left Florida uh, myself. So, Mike, um, overall assessment of Brian Kelly through a couple years from you and how do the LSU fans feel about him moving forward? Um, look, I, I think we all have to step back and realize he'd inherited 38 scholarship players of that from Ed Orgeron. It was an absolute mess. Uh, some really bad recruiting classes. There, there's one or two recruiting classes there at the end of Orgeron that almost nobody is left in the program from. And so what happened last year, and with and, and that's a big part of Jaden Daniels, even though this is the year he, he's going to win the Heisman, to get to the SEC championship in year one, I don't want to say it was fool's gold, but it, it, a lot of it has been done with smoke and mirrors, and they've got to get the defense right. And look, so now you're going to go into next year without Jaden Daniels, without uh, Ryan Thomas, Malik Neighbors, and others, and uh, still a ton of questions. We're going to see how many do, new defensive coaches, if not all of them, are going to be there. And then you add UCLA, USC, and Oklahoma to the schedule on top of your SEC tilt. <laughs> so it's not going to be easy next season. Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com. Mike, always great to have you. Have a great weekend, buddy. All right, y'all too. Have a great weekend. Talk soon. All right. That's uh, Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com. Garrett, are you? Uh, did that kind of sting a little bit? I don't like that schedule. I do not like that schedule set up. I know that, yeah, looking at that, you go to Vegas to play USC, open it up, but USC's kind of yeah. hit or miss. I, I think Vegas, that's one they I mean, can, I yeah, mean, come on. That should be in LA or in Baton Rouge. I, honestly, I would rather do home and home. Like, like, like when they play Florida State, that should have been at Death Valley and Dope. Yeah. Like, I hate it, that. Yeah. Um, I get why that was a thing with all the new stadiums right. and everything for a while. I, I feel like we're past that point but they, now. But they didn't play at new stadiums with that one. They no. played. At I mean, the Superdome and, right. you know, like... Well, yeah, yeah. I, I just mean yeah. in general, the whole neutral yeah. site, non-con game, I'm just kind of over that at this point. Like, let's just play in the Falcons Stadium, and I don't yeah, know. No, I, I like, see you that's, in Death Valley. That's what the conference championships are for. Right, exactly. Right? That's what those yeah. are for. They have a place. Yeah, you know, and, like, it, it was cool for a while, but, again, yeah, I'd rather, like, as a fan, if I'm... If I'm somewhere, I want to see that team come here. I want to go there. Like, you know, and, and New Orleans and Orlando are great places to go. Vegas is a great place to go. But, again, you know, how many how many trips are you really going to take where, like, because those are the, the higher dollar ones. Like, it's not, it's not that expensive if you're an LSU fan to go stay 
you know, um, in Oxford for a night, you know, and, and go to that game. It like that's where to me it starts to get kind of kind of crazy. I mean, I think you get people on board because they also get the Vegas trip with yeah. the football game. I get that. I just think from a pure college football standpoint, I'd rather see them playing home and homes, and the occasional. Neutral site game. I think we just started kind of getting silly with it, though, uh, for a while. It's like, why does Baylor Tech need to be at AT&T Stadium? That was you know a terrible I, idea. Yeah, like, why? what was the point of that? Um, so those, like, that's kind of an example of, of where I think is like, for a little while, okay, but now, like, yeah, no, it's playing Lub- Lubbock and Waco. It's much better for both yeah. teams that way. So that, that'll be great. I mean, that's a big matchup. It's another big thing for Vegas. I do very much see the point, though, that I've heard before, um, and primarily with the Big 12 basketball tournament, when you had all the primarily Utah fans, it seemed to be, that were really wanting to kind of throw their weight around early on, opinions-wise, as far as joining the Big 12. And so when Brett Yormark came out and said that the basketball tournament was going to remain in Kansas City, there was a whole, well, you should move it around. You should move it to Vegas. And, you know, people that clearly did not know what they were talking about brought up Dallas because that's been been done and it's not the greatest event in the world um, but Vegas got brought up and I was open to the idea because I do think you got a little you know at least partially play to your western schools now I mean you do have western schools that you yeah. need to, to play to so I do think Vegas is in their cards but the big argument against it was that people in Vegas just don't care they get yeah. every event under the sun and the more I paid attention it's like you know what that's true like that game will be packed out but it's not it's not going to be the same feel and I do think that Vegas gets so but much our, that it's just kind of like you're numb to it you our, know what I mean our, you know, 15 games in the Big 12 tournament going to be packed out? If no, they do, absolutely no, not. Absolutely no, absolutely not. And, you know, they're, um, there's not an NBA arena right there in Vegas right now. Not you yet. Know, so not yet. yet. <laughs> so, like, you know, it's going to be. You know, that's, that's going to happen. But, um, you know, so there's not... It's not that big of a deal. I just would no, rather you play I'll that just, game home and home. But, I mean, that's part of the deal. So, yeah, that, that I mean, that to the point of the conversation, that's a really tough schedule. But... LSU fans will see that and be like, man, they're going to be like two, three, four. I mean, they already lost three games this year, but they could be like two, three, four losses. I mean, what's the cutoff for the playoff next year yeah. and 12 teams? What's what's going to be the cutoff? I think you can lose two games. You're going to have to because you're going to be going 12 teams deep. There's going to be some two-loss teams, but what is – like, you can't think, lose four. No, you can you can probably go nine and three and then have a reasonable expectation right. of, of, of getting some help elsewhere and getting to that 12th spot i mean like you you may not and you'll be like oh it shouldn't have been nine and three but 10 and two like that's i mean they're at 13 right now at nine and three so they'd be right on the fringe of being able to get into the playoff they'd be right in there in that back part of the mm-hmm. conversation as far as the at-large bids go and that's where you do wonder that's where you get stacked of there's missouri there's Ole miss there's ou there's lsu you can put all those teams in there with alabama georgia that's six of the 12 right there i mean yeah. that's that's what's going to be fascinating about this moving forward especially with it now finally the pop being or the, the top being peeled back on just the general conversation and influence and leanings of the major media and the sec because we've all known it's been going on, but there's been backing for it. But now because of this whole playoff situation, it's like even people who are kind of like didn't care that much or maybe on the fence are like, you know what, this is kind of BS. Like this is getting to the point where it's kind of BS now. So, yeah, next year if it is like half the fields from that one conference, that's going to be fascinating to see the uh, the reactions to that. Well, yeah, and look, the, like the Big Ten um... – the Big Ten's gonna, you know, they, they would have. Yeah, when you start adding the new schools, four, yeah. they'd have Michigan, Washington, Oregon. Um, well, I, I mean, Penn like State. again, you got to take like um, there'll be th- like so you've got nine spots right for um, for the Big Ten and SEC essentially that they that they can get for sure because 
ACC, Big 12, and a, a group of five champion are going to get in. So there's nine spots that they can try to lay claim to. And so now it's incumbent on the Big 12 and the, and the ACC to make sure that, you know, you have teams good enough to get to those other spots. So, I mean, this year, Florida State would be the only team that would have made a 12-team playoff. Like, Louisville took their third loss. Not the, from the Big Ten or SEC. Yeah, not from the yeah. Big Ten. Like, they're the only ACC team. And the Big 12, I mean, would have only really had – maybe Oklahoma. Like, you said, you mentioned that. Like, they yeah. could have – I they think they would have been there, right but, on the fringe. And that would just yeah. But, I mean, looking at it next year, if you look at the rankings right now, the entire top 12, 13 is those two conferences, yeah. except for FSU. It's, everybody's in one of those two or will be in one of those two next year. So, yeah, something's going to have to give. That's going to be – uh, part of the, again, continuing conversation about what that playoff's going to look like, not so much next year. I mean, the next couple of years will be interesting, but that's very temporary. That's not yeah. the long-term solution. No, it's only a two-year deal. Yeah, so what does that look like beyond that, and what do the conferences even look like at that point? What does the NCAA look like at that point? Like, there's a lot of mystery surrounding uh, the postseason and just the sport in general beyond the next couple of years. But, yeah, there's – there's a lot of those teams packed at the top in only so many spots. So that's going to be uh, be really fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. We'll take a break right here. We'll come back. 365 Sports continues right after this. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, where right now, if you are looking for what you're going to buy for Christmas get-togethers, gatherings, parties, company parties, or for what you're going to cook for dinner yourself between now and the first of the year, the weekly specials for this week, all the way through close of business on Saturday. Fresh salmon fillets for $10.99 a pound. Regular summer sausage and jalapeno cheese summer sausage, $3.99 or $4.99 a pound. Chicken tenders at $2.25 a pound. Pork steaks at $1.99 a pound. Select choice in prime New York strip steaks, $8.50, $10.99, and $18.99 a pound. And 10% off on any of the fat spray. You want to grease your casserole dish or the grill it's waco custom marketplace weekly specials between now and close of business this saturday at 425 lake air drive in waco one size fits all that may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses but when it comes to your financial no one wants a one size fits all strategy ben erlinson your edward jones financial advisor knows that his most important goals are yours that's why he takes the time to understand your needs knowing you that's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine and Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine and Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back with five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app. Banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. 
Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Ben Erlinson, who'll navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Earlier uh, on the chat, and... Um, if I, I can't find it, I, I will just ask the general question. I can't remember who who asked it. I tried to to copy and paste it, but I've 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 lost it. Uh, it's gone. It's gone past. But uh, the question was: Is it a good thing for Baylor that Jeff Trailer did not get hired at Houston? If Aranda does not work out and they can have him in their candidate pool, maybe a little bit easier next year since he wouldn't already be in the Big Twelve. Uh, not really. No, uh, I don't think so. I think that he's going to have other suitors next year this time. So it's not like because he didn't get a job this year that all of a sudden it's only a one team race. I think that there will be others that are, you know, interested in getting him next year. And so, uh, who's to even say that Baylor's in the search for a head coach next year? I mean, who's to say that? We we assume that Dave Aranda's is just going to fail again, I guess, and that they're going to be in the market. But yeah. I mean, he could very well be the coach for another. 10 years for all we know. Go have a successful year next year. Guess what? He's back for year number six. Yeah. I don't think they're trying to fire the guy. No. I don't think they're trying to force him out the door. I don't think there's any element of the school that, like, wants him to fail, like you see in a lot of situations, or you're just looking for, like, that one thing. You're like, all right, cool, he's out. I don't think it's that's the case at all. So I think they're going to hold on to him for as long as possible until there's just no doubts left that, okay, this is just not ever going to work again. Uh, in the in the near future, and we have to do something, but they're not at that point yet. So from that standpoint, um, I see where you're coming from, but I just think that by this time next year, there will be other teams that are looking at a Jeff trailer. So I don't think it really helps them yeah. that much. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, Arkansas is like a place yeah, that is for sure. Arca- like Arkansas, UCLA, and Baylor are three schools that are in the exact same spot right he ain't now. Ain't going to UCLA though. No, <laughs> he ain't going to UCLA. No, but like. 
you know, as far as your coach has to win this year or yeah. he's gone. Um, you know, and Sam Pittman at Arkansas, Chip Kelly at UCLA, and of course Dave Aran at Baylor. Those are three that are in the they're kind of in the Neil Brown spot. And Neil Brown, look, um, Proved everybody wrong and, and look, went I eight and four. I don't think he's off of it. No, I mean I think he's saved for just this year. I mean I think he's he loses games next year and you're going to be right back in that same conversation. No, he, I think he's got to be. I think he's got to be around eight and four again next year or, yeah. or improved. Or if they slip, if they're six and six, they're going to be like, well, you know, Baylor was no good, Cincinnati was no good, Houston like the t- they're going to start going through. The, oh, Pitt wound up sucking. Oh, well that wasn't. Even though we loved that you did that, we're we're not as impressed by that win anymore. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, trailers. Uh, I, they've had a couple opportunities too to hire him, and they have chosen not to. They could have done it the last time they hired Dave Aranda. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had an opportunity. He does have a connection. I do think he has some admiration and a like for Baylor. I think he would be very much open to the job, but it's just the timing hasn't worked out because he was going to be a part of Matt Rule's staff, or at least the, the opportunity was there. He and Matt Rule were, they became very good friends and confidants back uh, when, when Rule came to Waco. And there was an opportunity for Jeff to join the staff, and then he got another job. I think it might have been Arkansas or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, which was just a, ended up being a better opportunity. And so that they never came together. Uh, but that that was in the works there for quite a while. And then, you know, this last go-around, they end up hiring Aranda over Joey McGuire. I'm not sure how much traction Trailer got at that point, but, that I mean, that's like three years ago now at this stage. So he's done a, quite a bit since then. And then you get to this point here where you're looking around, and they never really got even to the conversation of looking around because Aranda stayed and they made it very clear pretty quickly that he was going to be the guy again and that they were going to do all they could to support him and get it, you know, back on track. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that that, that matters much in, in the Jeff trailer, uh, uh, conversation. No, no, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, like, I, I think that, you know, there's, there's going to be more and, and look, if Baylor, th- there's no number they have in mind to hit. I think that, you know, look, if they're six and six, that's a three a game improvement. Game, yeah. I mean, like, but it, like a specific, you know, like they're not saying it's got to be better than six no. and six. It's got to be eight and four because seven and five, like, no, if six, if they make a bowl game, that's a three game improvement. And then, you know, maybe you've got some, you've, you've got a toehold on something there. So, yeah, I mean, it would be pretty double your wins. Yeah. And so you can't say that they hadn't been, you know, improved. And I don't think the schedule's any easier next year. I think it might even be harder, uh, even though you're losing Texas off that schedule. You didn't play Oklahoma, so that doesn't even matter. But, um, yeah, I think that there's probably a barometer in Mac Rhodes' mind. I would assume that it's got to be making the postseason yeah. because you don't want to go two years without making a bowl game. There's just no way to spin that positively. But I, I do believe they're going to do everything in their power to hold on to Aranda and, and give him everything he can – handle to try and get this thing where it needs to be and I think it only is reinforced by all the events going on the last week or two when you're looking at the future of college football like what are your realistic expectations are you thinking that you're just going to brush off an Aranda and then you're going to be big fish poaching in the future and the big you know split off and all of that or is it probably more um uh, of a of a better gamble to keep rolling with him and hoping or believing that it works out and it does and you have a guy who's more of a fit for you as opposed to just constantly chasing success does yeah. that make sense yeah so I think that's that's really why they want him to work is because in this environment especially like 
he's not a guy that's just going to go chase the job like a lot of other guys. Like, oh, Big Ten jobs open. Well, See he, ya. He, he could have done it two years ago. Could have done it two years ago. Multiple schools. And, and he didn't because I do think it's a fit for him as much as it is a fit for them. Yeah. And so they're going to do everything in their power to until they can no longer do it to hold on to that relationship. So, yeah, yeah I don't think that Jeff Trey, the, really, the timing of it really comes into the picture at all because they're so locked in on what they have as opposed to what could be. And I hope that answers your question. Yeah. So, yeah, and look, there's... And appreciate the super chat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that was just a regular question I oh, saw. Okay. That's why I couldn't find it. Well, uh, never mind then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, yeah, I, I don't... You know, Baylor's not also in a position where, like, they, if they made... If they wanted to go chase a coach... This was the – I mean, not that next year wouldn't be the time to do it, but you know, this was kind of the year to maybe get out there and make some waves because there weren't, there weren't a lot of major shifts in the coaching landscape, right? There weren't a lot of major candidates yeah, know, too. to go out yeah. and get, right? Yeah, um, so. And so unless there was some Lincoln-Riley hiding out you know, type of a move that really just throws everything for a loop to where all of a sudden like multiple jobs start – you know, major jobs start uh, ending up open because of, of that type of a domino. But, yeah, no, this is a very – Weird, quiet carousel in so many ways. Like I think there's some good hires. I think John Summerall obviously is a great hire for Tulane. I think Willie Fritz was a really good hire for Houston. So on and so forth. Um, but you're looking at, you know, Sam Pittman next year again. Black Sunday in the NFL. Like, what does that look like? Does Lincoln Riley make a jump? Well, then all of a sudden things get get wonky and get kind of crazy. Does Ryan Day? That's what, so you throw yeah. Ryan Day in the mix. Ryan Day make a jump? Does yeah. Jim Harbaugh make a jump? Yeah. That's where it could get a little nuts, but we're not at that point quite yet. We still got a little ways to go. Yeah. No, I, um, you know, the Ryan Day theory at like about, you know, maybe he would go to A&M because, you know, the like the, the whole Michigan, like he's not, they're not running him out there yet. And the people who are mad at Ryan Day are not the people who are paying his salary. You know, like they're they're upset that they're that they've lost to Michigan three years in a row, no, no doubt about it. But um, they also had like the best like run in the entire rivalry for a decade and a half, where they won like all but one game. So, um, and that that was like I think the year that Jim Trestle got fired and Luke Fickle was the interim. So, and they might even won then. I don't know. I'm not like I'm not adept enough at Ohio State history to tell you, but um, yeah, I mean he's. But he, to me, he would maybe make the jump to the NFL because he's he, he might swim in those waters uh, as opposed to just leave Ohio State because he can't beat one rival unless they really do get that mad about it. But again, next year... they get that mad about it. That's, yeah. that's the only game that... I mean, yeah. that's the game. But you, next you, year, it doesn't matter as much. It doesn't matter as much, but I still yeah. think if you go on a five-game losing yeah. streak against Michigan, it doesn't yeah. really matter how much you're making the playoff. You're still losing to Michigan every yeah. year, and so they got a leg up on you. So, yeah, I think that that... I mean, it's like... Um, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, he could be super successful. And Mac Brown, they wrote it out with him. He had a little slide there against Oklahoma. Now, it wasn't like five, six years in a row, but he had some pretty bad moments there for a little stretch. And they held on to him, and then he flipped the script on him. And so that's what you're hoping for if you're Ohio State. But I just think that there has been some of that, you know, speculation about Ryan Day and how he would fit in the pros. And when you're thinking about college coaches who could make that jump, he's just somebody that logically comes up. But, no, I mean, only bringing him up because that could – you know, again, the NFL Black Sunday, uh, you know, event could could shake the college carousel up, but for the most part, it's pretty, pretty, uh, 
you know, balanced, I, I think, and pretty non-dramatic for the most part uh, compared to recent years. All right. Garrett, uh, what was your question about Heisman Trophy winners who have not? We'll do that in the next segment we come so, back. So, yeah, so Fox Sports put out a graphic, and they have a list of who would be your top – who's your top Heisman candidate who didn't win? Like, who should have won the Heisman that didn't win? Uh, I know who mine would be. Jack had a good one as well, but I think that's something we kind of get into with the Heisman uh, being tomorrow. Okay, um, can you find the graphic? Yeah, let me hunt it down into the hunt, break. Hunt down the graphic in the break, and we'll come back and we'll talk about that. Well, based on the graphic, and then you can throw out yours in the chat, this is 365 Sports. Ring in the new year with unbeatable savings on the new 2023 Ram trucks during the wrap-up-the-year sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco. Take advantage of this limited-time opportunity and start the new year in style. Shop our great selection in-store or online today. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sikkim Bears. Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Samantha Duvall, TexasBeefHouse.com in White House, Texas, just outside of Tyler in East Texas. And another auction, Samantha, is gone. Aged Wagyu beef and so much more you have on your ranch. How did it go? And what is next? So we had our Very Merry Beef auction. We tried doing one completely online this time, and it went really well. It lasted for over three days. We are planning another auction January 30th. This auction will be an in-person, online also, a live auction like we did the first time. When you come out to the ranch, dinner is going to be provided. It'll um, be a variety of steaks, hamburger, sausage, tri-tip, brisket, roast, all of the different Wagyu cuts. But we still have online our family bundles, summer sausage. That's a huge hit this time of year. It's perfect to give to teachers or hostess gifts or to have out on your charcuterie board for your Christmas dinner. We have those available online. Our last day for shipping is December 13th. That way we can make sure that you've got it there for by Christmas. TexasBeefHouse.com. Use your Stick'em 10 code to get 10% off. So we just want to tell all of our customers Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and thank you so much for your continued support in the year of 2023, and we hope that you return to us in 2024. And they will. Repeat customers, because the product is amazing. Aged Wagyu Beef, TexasBeefHouse.com, and this is 365 Sports. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And 
will soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Before we get to our, our end of the show poll question, Craig, Isaiah Nayor, who transferred from Wyoming to Texas uh, in 2022, uh, promptly, he tore his ACL in the spring, right? Or right away, like yeah, whatever. He promptly tore his ACL and didn't play in 2022. Uh, many thought he would be a big factor this year, but they were so loaded at that position that he did not. He is back in the transfer portal as a grad transfer. Yeah, no, I think it was fall camp, like when he he yeah. got there uh, right before the season, his junior year, he got hurt and, uh, d- yeah, missed uh, 2022 and then uh, came back and didn't do much of anything of substance, uh, was not a part of the mix. I think ended up with 14 total yards and one catch, and that was early on in the season. I need to double-check that, but I remember that from earlier in the year because I was tracking him, and then I eventually just lost interest because he wasn't playing. He wasn't putting up any stats, and... Yeah, he had his totals this year, one catch, 14 yards, and that was in the Rice game at the beginning of the year. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I, I found him to be a notable name that's now entered the transfer portal after two years at Texas. He had come in from Wyoming. He was pretty dang good uh, as a sophomore, had close to 1,000 yards, close to 900 yards and double-digit touchdowns. And I thought when he pledged to Texas that, like, whoa, what a great pickup for them. They already have a bunch of good receivers, but wow, he'll pair really well with Worthy. And, you know, then they went and got, he got hurt, and then they got A.D. Mitchell and various others in the recruiting process. And he's just, he got drowned out. And, uh, you know, the injury obviously didn't help, but now he's on the move once again. And I think he can make a very solid pickup for somebody. But I think that just goes to show you the talent level at Texas. Uh, obviously, he had a hard road back as well, um, but I really thought he was going to be something that just goes to show you, like, not every portal pickup is going to be the yeah. difference maker that you think, but I thought that's that's the all-timer for me because I thought, man, this kid's going to kill it, and he ended up not really doing much of anything, so I'm sure he's hungry for another opportunity, and we'll see what his suitors look like because he was a pretty popular guy uh, when he decided to leave Wyoming. But, uh, yeah, it's just an interesting name to see come across the portal list and whiffed big on that one, but uh, good luck to him. He, I'd, I'd love to see him in Waco. I think he'd be a, a good addition for the Bears. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be a great fit. All right, uh, Garrett, um, the graphic, the best player never to win the Heisman. Um I need to I need to look at this a little bit closer. Uh, so Larry Fitzgerald, Peyton Manning, Deion Sanders, Mike Vick, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Indomitian Sue, Andrew Luck. Um, is that uh, Jim Brown or Ernie? No, Jim Brown won. Ernie Davis and Adrian Peterson are on that list. Or who else? So Paxton, right off the bat, who do you think he said? Uh. Quinn Ewers? <laughs> <laughs> no, but close. Vince Young. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, let's see. Shadow Beard. I mean, he said, lost to Reggie Bush, you yeah. know? So, I mean, there was a, you're really splitting hairs. You could have gone. It, that's one of those where if the Heisman was after the national championship game, that's a different outcome. Yeah. Uh, but because it wasn't, then you had, you know, a very 
deserving winner in Reggie Bush. I don't think you can argue against no. him getting the award. Uh, but Vince Young, after the fact, after that national championship game, he certainly had a much more loaded argument for why he might have been more deserving. But again, they don't count that, so uh, that that hurt him. But yeah, he was he's definitely in my probably top five of players that I've seen that were as good as you can get but didn't win the Heisman. I'd say, yeah, Vince Young's definitely in that grouping for me. Yeah, I mean, Peyton Manning's on there. He lost to Charles Woodson. Um, you know, who is, uh, you know, that was one of the better, like, Heisman. I mean, it was, he lost by, by less than 300 votes or 300 points, you know, whatever, how they, um, you know, first and second place votes. So it was, it was a very close one uh, for Peyton Manning there in 1997. Um, Dion, you know, it, it, in 1989, like, they never would have even considered, you know, that. I mean, he just, you know, even though he's a kick return and all that, like, it was, but... You know, out of my time frame, I yeah, no, no knowledge. I mean, I I have knowledge, but I I have no uh, basis for um, even understanding like how the vote in the field was back mm-hmm. then. It's just it's all history to me. The nineteen eighty nine Heisman vote. I was just a, a toddler at that point, but um, yeah, he probably would have been more successful in that campaign in later years. I guess like more, more like a uh, Desmond Howard was uh, down the line. I mm-hmm. suppose. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for Mike Vick, um, lost to Ron Dane um, in 99. That's weak. Yeah. Um, Ron Dane, Joe Hamilton, the top two uh, that year. Uh, can anybody in this room tell me where Joe Hamilton played? Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech. There you go. Thank you. Good. I'm glad you know that. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, that year, um, what was the year before? No. Um, he had a great game against FSU that they barely won. Uh, in Tallahassee, I think he was perfect in the second half. I still have nightmares about that one. Uh, but, yeah, Joe Hamilton, uh, Heisman finalist there. Uh, 99 was also the year that Peter Wark was not invited to the Heisman Trophy ceremony because of his uh, – he and Lavernius Cole's little uh, deep discount shopping at Dillard's. I don't know how many yeah, people remember that. Yeah, you might that. remember that's where they got the name Free Shoes University. Uh, that was before, that It was before that. Oh, was that before that? That was before that. It was Steve. Oh, Steve setting up for Free Shoes yeah, University. Exactly. Steve Spurrier gave them that name because they got Free Shoes somewhere else. Uh, that was actually free pants and shirts. Ah, see, I'm, I, I'm confused with the scandals. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no, it is. It's, it, it gets it gets crazy. It gets crazy, uh, especially that time. But yeah, no, he uh, that was uh, that was a weird one. Free uh, swag university. Free swag. Yes, it was. They uh, Lavernius Coles was dating this girl who worked at Dillard's, and so he told Peter Work, like, listen, we can go and pay like forty dollars a piece, and we can take you know like whatever we want. And the girl's like, yeah, it's fine. I get a discount. And they're not going to know anything. And then, like, turns out that this girl had been doing that all over the place. And they were watching her. And the first day they were watching her was the day that Peter Work and Lavernius walked in the room. <laughs> and so... Now she it, runs a Fortune 500 company, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so that... Uh, that's that's how that's why he got uh, out of that. But uh, he was suspended for a couple games and then came back and obviously helped him win the the national championship game. Adrian Peterson to me, um, he was the one I think that Johnny Manziel and Jameis Winston owe Adrian Peterson a big um, debt of gratitude. Uh, and Mike Vick also is his his in ninety nine he was a freshman, so like all of them, but. Adrian Peterson didn't win as a freshman, and I do think that people like went back and go like, well, how can you not give this guy the award just because he's a freshman? Yeah, I mean, there was a really good 
uh, finalist group that year. It was all set up for USC and Oklahoma. They were playing yeah. in the national title game. USC would go on to demolish Oklahoma, but you had four finalists, and they were all from those schools. Uh, you had, what was it, Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart, and I believe uh, would have been Jason White and Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Uh, and I, if there was a fifth, then I just have blacked it out. But I remember that those four, because they just helped build up that game even more of like, oh, my God, this game's going to be so massive in Oklahoma – and had been so good, and USC had been so good, and then that game turned out to be not good at all. Um, but I I wish Adrian Peterson had won it, but with that crop of players, I mean, you're really splitting hairs. They're playing for basically two teams, and they're both playing for the national title. Like, how do you differentiate? But I do very vividly remember that uh, the arguments that, were, that became public, that I heard at least, uh, that were against Adrian Peterson and voting him, what, what was the fact that he was a freshman mm-hmm. and that, oh, well, he'll be back, which is just the dumbest idea in the world is to assume, like, oh, well, he didn't win the Heisman. We don't have to give it to him this year because he'll have another chance at it. Well, that's that's ridiculous. And he never did even come close to sniffing the Heisman Trophy ever yeah. again. That was his best shot at it. And there's a very good case that he should have won it. But just being a freshman worked against him. And uh, I, as a big-time Adrian Peterson fan, will always – uh, be uh, ticked off at that result. Um, I can at least understand it given the, against the guys he was going against, but give me another reason other than, oh, well, he's a freshman, he'll be back here, because that's that was the argument for some people, and uh, that's just a, a really stupid argument uh, to not vote for a guy when he's deserving of that vote. Uh, that's, a, that's a stupid way to not give him that vote. Also was apparently very wrongfully snubbed on Dancing with the Stars this last time around. Couldn't tell no, you. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I forgot, yeah. dude. I he's had he's had a wild career since then. Yeah. You know, um, no, but, I only knew that. My my wife uh, likes the show. We don't watch it all yeah. the time, but she wanted to watch the finale of the night, and he was like, I had forgotten he was on, and then like they are interviewing one of the the people, um, the girl from American Bandcamp for American Pie, Allison Hannigan. That's her name. Uh, they're interviewing her, and I was like, oh, hey, there's Adrian Peterson. Ah, what do you know about that? He's wearing a sparkly shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> sparkly shirt, yeah. I'd imagine. Yeah, that was that was kind of weird. So, so uh, yeah, there was a fifth guy, and I always forget him. I always think of just it being Bush and Leonard and Peterson and, and uh, Jason White. It was Alex Smith. Alex Smith from huh. Utah was also in that mix. And uh, looking at it now, Leonard won pretty comfortably, uh, but Peterson finished second. White finished third. Alex Smith actually finished fourth, and Reggie Bush finished fifth. So, um Cedric Benson also part of that group there at number six, but uh, rest in peace, Cedric Benson. But, yeah, the that Adrian Peterson one, that'll always bother me, uh, getting beat out by Matt Leinart, and in particular because he was a freshman. That's just a stupid thing Yeah, to, to vote that way. Yeah, uh, Josh, Hybert uh, asked me, did I get free shoes there? No, I did not. I uh, had to pay for all but the crab shoes. crab legs, on the other hand, that was – no, I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> just kidding. That one, that one, golly. We get well, like we might lead the country in stupid scandals. Now that it's you mention there. it, yeah, like stupid ones, free swag. I mean, yep. like half of them are Jameis, but like you know, he had one that wasn't stupid. I'm admittedly so, but uh, but crab legs and uh, you know, dirty joke in the student union, um, those two, and then you've got Dillard's, Derek Gibson. Here's my favorite one. Derek Gibson was a safety. He played for the Raiders. Uh, he was a safety on those those teams in that time. Um, this happened right in front of uh, or on the street I lived on. They did a uh, – the police department did a sting of prostitutes because there, there was an, an area like a couple streets down from 
the university that, you know, they, they kind of had a problem. And so they did a sting. And you could always tell when they were doing a sting because the women got a lot cleaner, like they'd showered. And Derek Gibson stopped at the light. He rolled down the window. He threw a $5 bill on the dashboard. He goes, what do I get for $5? Got arrested. Oh, and well. I, I think he was probably kidding. Uh, but again, like when you roll into a sting, you roll into a sting. So another dumb one. Um, a lot of wrong places, wrong times rolling around Tallahassee, I <laughs> yeah. suppose. Yeah. That one, uh, that was weird. Yeah, but we knew, like, we always knew living in the house for two years like we did. Like, oh, there's something going on there. There's one, like, ten times as many, and uh, they've all had a bath recently. So mm. this is uh, <laughs> not, nice. uh, not, uh, not normal. Uh, when we come back, the top five, top five locations for Cam Ward. This is 365 Sports. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has been proudly serving Texans across the state for over 60 years. Call 254-772-8090 to find an agent who will provide a free review of your auto, home, and life coverage. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. For Paul Catalina's Top 5, brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top 5 best fits for Cam Ward, the number one quarterback in the portal by most metrics. Wazoo's uh, former signal caller is uh, out there, going to get paid and paid big. These are five places that could use them, uh, and that might be the best fits. In one that uh, it would be a uh, a jump for them, but it would help them, you know, remain competitive. And it was the biggest thing about their team that was inconsistent this year. Number five, Miami. Look, if you're going to start throwing some portal money around, throw it at somebody who's definitely going to produce. Uh, now, uh, and I know that they. Um, that they had expressed interest. There was those reports out there uh, about, you know, I mean, of course, everybody has, but this is a team that was a quarterback away, I think, from contending regularly this year. Tyler Van Dyke uh, really regressed. He's in the portal uh, as well. Uh, they've got young quarterbacks in the roster, but if Miami wants to make hay while the sun shines for Mario Cristobal in, in year three, um, this is probably a move that they need to make, and maybe not Cam Ward, but going out and getting a transfer quarterback. Uh, but he could take them into contention with the roster that they've, they're starting to build at Miami uh, in the ACC. He could bring them there, um, 
But, I mean, to me, that's a bit of a stretch. If you're Cam Ward, you probably want money plus chance to really contend in the playoff, and Miami is on the, the furthest possible rung of the ladder out of that, being a team that, that, that finished 6-6 six and six again this year. Yeah, I mean, if they're throwing around money, then you at least entertain the idea of going to South Beach. I don't know Cam Ward or his motivations, his interests. Uh, for some guys, that would be a pull. For some guys, that would be a reason to, to not go – and and go somewhere else where it's you know a bit more maybe of a college town or it's on the west coast or whatever people's desires are um but they are in need of a quarterback tyler van dyke coming back didn't turn out to be as great of a thing as as some including myself thought it it might have a chance to be Mm -hmm. and uh, it was a rough year for them no doubt about it i'm very curious to see where tyler van dyke looks to uh, rebound i've seen various schools attached to his name like every other guy that's in the portal right now they've been Rumor just about everywhere. I mean, even staying in the ACC and going to Duke. Uh, yeah. I've seen that quite a bit with uh, Tyler Van Dyke. But, yeah, I don't I don't know. Not, not knowing him personally, maybe this would be an absolute fit like a glove for Cam Ward and his personality or, yeah. or his desires. But uh, I don't know. I, I do think that there is something missing um, if you're looking for more than just the money and the location and you're looking for, like, I want to go win a national title, then, yeah, I don't think Miami's your spot for next season. No, I, I do think they have a good – like, they've got good players on the sure, roster. They've yeah. got better players on the roster. They, they're – Mario Cristobal's improved them there. They're just bad at quarterback, and they've, they've had a couple games where coaching decisions really, really hurt them. Uh, number four, LSU. Look, it's uh, right now it's Garrett Nussmeyer or bust, and, and Mike Scarborough just came on and said that, you know, maybe they – you know, get somebody who would be more of a depth piece as opposed to that for Garrett Nussmeyer. But I don't know, man, if he wants to come there, like, I think you've got to consider him, especially given, you know, how good they've been at the skill positions, even losing what they're losing. They're losing, losing neighbors and Thomas. But, I mean, I don't think that that's going to, like, I don't think it's going to slow down their wide receivers and what they've done with that position uh, for a while, Garrett. But I, I think this is a, like, this might not be where they're, they may not be interested in Brian Kelly might not be kind of out on this and more concerned about fixing that defense. But to me, given his skill set and what you just had, like, I think it works. I mean, it would, and the track record LSU has had with getting the, like you mentioned, getting the, the quarterbacks out of the portal, I think it would be good. I just, he would have the offensive line to work with. Um, I just don't know, like Craig mentioned, we'll go with Miami. At this point, if you're Cam Ward, you've got to go somewhere to win a championship, right? Like, other than getting money, you, if you're going to stay in college, to me, you want to go somewhere to where you can actually win a championship. And with LSU right now, I don't think they're close to winning a championship. I'd be a little apprehensive to go there. You would have the line, but you're going to a situation where you're more than likely going to have to win or like the weight on your shoulders to win each week. And I don't necessarily know that he wants that at this point in his career. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm sure it's appetizing in a lot of different ways, but like you have to score 50 every right. week to yeah. win games. And it's also more crowded with Texas and Oklahoma now and there. So what does that all look like? I mean, he's not scared of competition. I'm sure he'd love to play in the SEC. He wouldn't be fearful of that in any way. But I mean, I will say too, like, I know LSU's produced receivers as well as anybody, but. Losing those two guys yeah. is still a pretty massive freaking loss. Yeah. Like, I don't care who all you brought into the program. Like, and Brian Thomas, like, barely gets talked about in comparison to neighbors, I feel like. And yet, I mean, that's that's going to be a hole even for LSU to have to fill next year. So, yeah, it's it's not as simple as just, oh, here's the next, you know, Jefferson. Here's the next neighbors. Here's the next Thomas. Like, those guys are probably there in some form or fashion. And there's always the portal as well. But, like, those are two pretty – studly yeah, dudes. dudes you're going to be losing yeah. yeah absolutely you know i didn't want to like you know diminish no, them but saying. yeah yeah no you're right you're right number three usc 
You know, I know that they have Malachi Nelson, but he's just a true freshman this year. Miller Moss, uh, who is one of the other quarterbacks on the roster, is is also in the portal. Um, it would seem to me that Lincoln Riley needs to make a splash, and you know, he he's you know the quarterback whisperer and, and all that. But uh, their bigger deal is defense, and they need to improve that. Now, maybe uh, land their new defensive coordinator helps them on that side of the ball. Uh, but to me, USC, especially with what they throw around. NIL-wise, uh, would seem to maybe be a fit for, for Cam Ward um, and, and staying there on the West Coast. And I don't think that with the way the USC operates when it comes to the portal that you can really count them out on any of the like the bigger-name people. No, uh, I do think at some point Malachi Nelson is going to want to play, though. Yeah. And so is, is there, is there going to be another year-long wait for, for him to be ready or for any other quarterback potentially coming up the pipeline? Um, but, yeah, I mean, it would make sense that – you know, he's already out there on the West Coast. Not that travel really matters here at all. But, yeah, I mean, Lincoln Riley, quarterbacks want to play for the guy. Big-time quarterbacks have gone on to the NFL under his tutelage. I can see where that would be appetizing to anybody like a Cam Ward who's got, you know, those types of dreams. So, yeah, sure. I mean, I think it's at least something you kick the tires on. L.A., big money in the NIL and, you know, a quarterback whisperer there as your head coach. That would be that'd be fun for a lot of folks. Number two, Florida State. Losing Jordan Travis, uh, he's not going to be back. I mean, he didn't have any eligibility left anyway. Uh, this is a program clearly, you know, thirteen and zero. They've got linemen coming back. They've got they're going to lose. Look, Johnny Wilson. They're going to lose Keon Coleman. Um, they're going to lose Trey Benson. But they've got um, a lot of good skill players coming back. A lot of you know really up and coming wide receivers, uh, guys that he could certainly help make better. Um, no offense to Tate Rodemaker coming back next year, but I don't, I don't think that Florida State necessarily wants to go in into the year with with him. Him being the guy, uh, given what they do have coming back and how they could contend once again for the college football playoff uh, at 12 teams. So, uh, and a lot of this is going to come down to, you know, money and fit. But uh, I do think that, I mean, they're going to go get a portal quarterback, whether it's him or it's DJU or whoever, they're going to probably go get one. This is probably the, this is everybody's top target, but this is a really good fit. And Mike Norvell's offense is a really good fit for Cam Ward's skill set. I don't know if I was FSU, I'd probably go get three portal quarterbacks just to be safe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to. You might have get to. Get all the quarterbacks I could, make sure that room's nice and stocked up and ready to go just in case something were to happen. But, no, um, yeah, this this would make a lot of sense. I don't know that you get real thrilled about Rodemaker rolling into next season as the guy. I think he wants something a bit splashier than that and uh, more star power. Um, and, and Cam Ward certainly has that. He's an electric player. So I can see where FSU would definitely be a, a potential landing spot, or you know anybody for that matter. They definitely seem like they're they're going to be rocking with a portal quarterback next season. Yeah, and they've got you know they they, they do like Brock Glenn and they do like the kid they've got coming in, Luke Cromanook, um, you know who's a, a four or five star guy, but depending on the the service you look at, uh, they're not as good as Cam Ward is. Yeah, no, but they're not as good. They like them, but they need somebody to like right. space it out so that when it's a year from now when it's time for those two to have the battle, then it's it's better than like, hey, here you go, guys. Uh, knock yourself out. And number one, Ohio State. Um, look, they're, they're, lo- like, they're losing receivers too. Um, and Brian Hartline has been as good as anybody replacing those. Um, losing three. I mean, they're losing Julian Fleming. He's in the portal. They're probably you know losing Marvin Harrison and, and Emeka uh, uh, Ekuba, but um, Abuka, I'm sorry. I always get his name wrong. But uh, Kyle McCord was shoved out the door. You know, I say shoved. Um, 
there was a mutual parting of the ways there. And so since he's gone and Devin Brown, who he beat out is the only quarterback that's on the roster right now, and including whoever you've got coming in as a true freshman, it would stand to reason that they think they're going to get somebody like Cam Ward. You know, I, I don't know if it's Cam Ward, but to me, this is the one that they probably thought that they're going to get or they're making a move on to see if they can get him. So we'll see at Ohio State because he's he's the guy who can maybe get him over the hump um, to beat Michigan. But, uh, you know, I, this was the one I would think is number one. And if I'm Ryan Day, you know, I've got to be pretty confident I'm going to get a guy who's going who's gonna to be a, a better option to beat Michigan than the one you just pushed out the door who only lost to them by six. Yeah, uh, this one makes a lot of sense for all of the reasons that you listed. Uh, I think he'd be pretty dynamic in that offense and would have some good skill players uh, to roll into and play with uh, there with the Buckeyes. So, and they, you know, have an affinity like LSU for having a pretty solid wide receiver group. Uh, although, again, easier said than done replacing Marvin Harrison Jr. and and and, but and yet they do it. They do it. You know, they they lose Jackson Smith and Jigba and various others, and they just keep on chugging uh, chugging along. So, yeah, he'll definitely be surrounded by a lot of talent. I've seen that probably rumored as the most logical landing spot for him. Although there's obviously a lot of other guys that are out there. But uh, him and the Buckeyes uh, would seem to be a pretty good little matchup for sure. Absolutely. That's going to do it for us. Uh, 365 Sports Tonight tonight on the CW uh, here locally uh, in Waco. Thanks for watching us whenever you do. Thanks to Emery, Garrett, and Jack. Thanks to all our guests today, Mike Scarborough, Josh Neighbors, um, Dan Lust, and Grayson Grunhafer. Have a great weekend, everybody.